We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 90, and we've got yet another very special guest coming in, the former Ohio State Buckeyes defensive lineman. It's Jay Richardson, plus the guys are going to talk a little hockey, a little basketball, and so much more. So coming up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Welcome on in, everybody, to episode number 90 of the Garage Beers podcast. Go find us online at the Garage Beers on our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Make sure you either follow us or subscribe on all of those social media networks. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast network, go ahead and do that so that you're notified every week of the newest and best Garage Beers Podcast episodes. We are brought to you, as always, on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network as well. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keith. Go find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me for this episode is my co-host over on the east side of Cleveland. It's Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's going on, Chad? Hi. 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 Oh, whoa, whoa, that was that was a crescendo. I like oh, it. Yeah. We, uh, we brought it all the way down, all the way up and down again. Uh, Mike, uh, would you ever move to Florida? Hell no. <laughs> no, no, no. Have you ever I heard would... of those people down there? No, thank <laughs> dude, you. Dude, like it's it's like its own planet. Like all the weird shit happens down in Florida. Like, like, yeah, it shouldn't be like, like when you're entering Florida, it shouldn't be like Florida. Welcome to the sunshine state. It should be like Florida where all the weird shit happens. <laughs> and, and like, uh, but Florida, Florida the Walmart of the U S Florida did something. I kind of respect. I got to be honest with you. Oh no. So I was just, I, I tend to look through like funny news of the day just to see like what, what, what's uh, anything I could come across. And uh, a a Florida uh, teacher, a school teacher in the panhandle. This was uh, around Halloween time. I guess kids 
kids were, uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's right around the holidays, you know, like out back in school when you're, you're like teachers kind of just, uh, punted the class and they just showed movies. Like they didn't really care. But you know, before holidays, the best glasses. <laughs> um, well, apparently a Florida teacher has come under fire a little bit for showing everybody's favorite B movie horror classic, oh, Monsters. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> classic. She showed Monsters in her classes. And this and this was in a middle school. And apparently, apparently, this caused <laughs> this caused uh turn fights <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> No, the no. <laughs> like kids were throwing, throwing, like like it was like it was almost like no. a fucking chimpanzee, like a monkey reaching in and no. throwing turds at each other in the. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh god! Oh yeah. So Florida, where all the weird shit happens. But you know, I kind of respect Literally. it because everybody should everybody should see monster. Oh well, listen. <laughs> Obviously, thank you to Florida for that, uh, yeah. for making sure that everybody that's kind of on everybody's radar. That's <laughs> yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. It still wouldn't. Uh, it still wouldn't deter me from moving there just because of the weather. But it's all the. It's all. It's where all the weird shit happens. Dude. Florida. It's its own. Florida. It's its own planet. <laughs> <laughs> and especially, I don't know if you have ever been to the Panhandle, but the Panhandle is like, it's like. It's like the epitome of the Florida planet shit. Like, okay. Right. Cause imagine, right. think of where the panhandle is. It's like you drive South and you're in Alabama and think of the weird shit that happens in that state. And then be like, <laughs> Hey, what's South of Alabama? Oh, the Florida panhandle. <laughs> like, yeah, right. That's a weird place down there. <laughs> oh shit. In the in in the same breath, obviously, every I feel like every class should show a monster just for like learning purposes. See, see, it's it's a classic that everybody's eyes should lay should, should get laid on once. <laughs> How are you, man? What the hell is up with you, man? Life is good. I'm I'm broadcasting from from a new house for the first time. Yeah. Uh, you know what happened to me? You know what happened to me this week that just kind of took me by surprise. Yeah. I, 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 I was in a meeting. I'm huh? working in a school. I was in a meeting. And at the end of the meeting, the person I was meeting with got up and left and they said, hey, happy holidays. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> huh? And like, we're at that. We're at that point. It's it's happy holidays time. All right. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's uh, the the cliche is true, man. Even though it's, uh, you know, it's a cliche and cliches are, you know, just kind of dull but it's uh they say the days are long but the years go by fast man the older you get so and that's exactly where i'm at right now so all right let's talk about this because this time of year this is always the hot button topic and i want to know how you feel okay daylight savings time we set the clocks back last weekend how we feel how we feeling about that it's stupid it's stupid it's so stupid do you have like strong feelings about it though? Because I feel like everybody has like strong feelings about daylight savings time. Uh, no, I don't have strong feelings. You know, uh, before I had kids, I was like, sweet, an extra hour of sleep. Now I'm like, sweet, my kids will wake up an hour earlier. Fuck. 
<laughs> that's about it now. <laughs> that that that's the only strong feeling I have about it. I didn't really care either way, one way or the other. What about you? I feel like so many people are so passionate about the topic of daylight savings time, and I'm not. I t- yeah. I, I people like people have been whining about it to me all week. Oh, yeah. daylight saving. They should just end daylight saving. Yeah, right. They probably should because it doesn't really do anything at this point. But here's my feeling on it. I like this time of year. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like the same thing as snow and bad weather for me. Like this like time of the year where it gets darker earlier, but like people are putting their Christmas lights. It feels like the holidays to me gets yeah. dark at five o'clock. And the holiday, like people's Christmas lights are coming on in their yard. And that that just feels like what the holidays are supposed to feel like. No. Yeah. Ask ask me, ask me again in like February. I'm going to be like, I want the sun to stay out for like a goddamn (laughs) hour, please. For the love of it. Can we get the sun for a minute? But like this, this time of the year, I'm cool with, I'm cool with, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This time of year, because it's festive. That's what I'm saying, man. It's festive. January to March, January to St. Paddy's Day is just, it's like the long, slow death march to spring. But once St. Paddy's Day hits, <laughs> you're like, awesome. Like, here we are. Let's go. Let's spring forward, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, listen, great episode coming up. We're obviously, again, uh, unfortunately, without our good buddy, Joe, uh, who uh, had some other commitments eh. that he had to take care of this week. Asshole. <laughs> Uh, so we obviously miss Joe, uh, but go follow him anyways at Garage Beers Joe. But we're going to be joined by a very special guest here in just a minute. Uh, we have got former Ohio State Buckeye uh, football player uh, and then current broadcaster and a guy that kind of does a lot of everything. Jay Richardson, he is joining us for the second time. Uh, we're going to talk a little Buckeyes. We're going to talk a little NFL uh, and all that with Jay Richardson. But before we get to that, We're going to start off with our favorite segment of the week. We aren't called the Garage Beers Podcast for nothing. We're going to start with our Garage Beers of the Week. And I'm going to lead us off this week, Chad. Hi, Chad. Because I feel like I don't lead us off a lot. And I don't know if if I've done this one on here before. Frankly, I I don't care if I have or not. Because (laughs) this beer is... Uh, It's just one of my favorites. Again, you know me and the season. Like for me, it's the IPAs Uh and then stouts. Those two things can happen all year round. IPAs and stouts can happen all year round. And anything bourbon barrel aged. Well, yeah, that's cool with me. I'm I'm always. (laughs) But yeah, but then then the seasonal beers happen. Right. And so we just kind of got we kind of got through the the Oktoberfest season, which is great. And the pumpkin season is winding down, and that means we are in Christmas beer season. And I've got one of my favorites. I think it's a vastly underrated brewery. Uh, again, from down in Akron, it's from Hoppin' Frog, and it is the Frosted Frog Christmas Ale. And okay. it is a Hoppin' Frog when it comes to seasonal beers specifically. They have some really good IPAs. But Hoppin' Frog, when it comes to seasonal beers specifically, is it's one of the best. It's one of the best okay. breweries out there. And it pisses me off that I've never been there because it's just an Akron. But this is a delicious ale brewed with cinnamon and ginger and nutmeg, and it just tastes like Christmas. It even says it on the can. 
the essence of Christmas is captured in this very can you are holding. Oh, my God. I'm holding the goddamned essence of Christmas. Whoa. And I'm consuming it. And it is. It's great. So well, we're, we're getting. Oh, go ahead, Chad. Uh, it's Christmas is inside your tummy right now. Right How now. does Great Lakes feel about? Are you cheating on Great Lakes right now? Like, that's what's going no, on. There's no cheating on anybody. Seems I'm not like it. I'm not tethered. I'm not tethered to any <laughs> to any brewery. All right. All right. I'm, I'm if, loyal if you say so. to all bre- all breweries. <laughs> Maybe not all. There are some shitty Christmas beers out there, uh, but you're probably not going to find them on this podcast because I'm just going to go get the good ones. Uh, and this is one of the best. So if you haven't tried it, the best thing about Hop and Frog is they're finally doing like a normal canning process. Like for the longest time, you could only buy like either like tall beers from Hop and Frog or like bottles. And that's just just harder. It's just harder. So I just found a little four pack of this uh, Frosted Frog Christmas Ale. And that's my garage beer of the week. Yeah. Chad. You ever like a- a- anybody ever look through your uh, uh, beer fridge? Because, you know, you're only going to buy beers you like, right? Correct. You know, you know you're only going to buy beers you like. Anybody ever look through your b- uh, beer fridge uh, and, and it's like, oh, is this good? And you're like, uh, e- no, it's terrible. That's why I bought it. <laughs> that's kind of uh, like when that's kind uh, what? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you, I think we've all had like bad beers in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that was kind of, that was just kind of like it just reminded me of like when I uh, when I had my DVDs, all my DVDs. I was like a huge DVD collector. Right. And I just I, I bought like movies that I loved. I was obsessed with movies. But, but, but like. When people uh, when people would look through it and be like, oh, uh, I don't know, True Lies. Is that good? Is that a good movie? Right. Uh, no, no, whoa, no. Whoa. It's actually really horrible. Whoa. Whoa. What? What? I, no, I'm kidding. Like, oh, yeah, it's actually really horrible. That's uh, that's why I bought it. You didn't. <laughs> Sarcasm. Oh, all right. Sarcasm. Okay. Like, all it's right. Sarcasm. I, didn't, I was like, fuck. you didn't just say True Lies was a bad movie because I'm ending this podcast. This That's the end of the podcast. We're not going to do another episode. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> All right, Chad, what's your garage beer of the week? So uh, last week, Mike, I went to uh, Double Wing Brewing Company. Uh, you you know, I, I told you we went to uh, on a whole vineyard tour and everything. And this place out in Geneva called Debonet uh, Vineyards is also home to Double Wing Brewery. And whenever I go to a new brewery, like uh, that I've never been to before, I usually buy two beers. It's like if I can't sit down and, and and get a flight of something so I can taste which ones I like, I usually uh, ask two questions. I go to the bartender when I'm buying beers. I go, "What's your best seller?" And I go, "What's your favorite?" Because the bartender's got to kind of know like the ins and outs. Like he's gonna he's gonna have the under the radar good beer for you. <laughs> so last week it was the blueberry Kolsch. Uh, this week, Mike, I, it's a double wing brewing company again. It's the Butter Pecan Porter. Ooh, Butter Pecan Porter, and uh, it's it's really good. <laughs> I got to tell you, man. Look, it's it's dark. Oh, it's not bitter. It's great. not bitter. It's not bitter. It's it's got a nice uh, little uh, pecan flavoring to it. A little hint of butter, and it's really really good, man. I, I'm I'm telling you what. I go. I go to the brewery and I always ask two questions. What is your name? <laughs> what is your favorite color? <laughs> uh, 
Pecan what? or pecan? Is the average airspeed velocity of a swallow. Uh, <laughs> I'm a pecan guy. I, I say pecan. Pecan? Well, you can say it. You can say it however you want. I'm a pecan guy. Yeah. All right. Pecan. There we go. That's what I always say, too. I was just making sure I was saying it right. Or you can go down to the south and get some pralines. Oh, shit. <laughs> go down to South Carolina and get some pralines. Uh, you come on over here. I'll get you some toasted pralines <laughs> and some burnt pecan, pecan beer. What is happening? Don't you worry about a thing. I'm going to set you up just right. Uh, all right. Well, we're just off track. Uh, anyways, Chad, that beer looked <laughs> yeah, that beer looked delicious. So uh, another one from over there in wine country. And again, I've got the uh, Hop and Frog Christmas, and those are our garage beers of the week. Uh, you go on and let us know. Get over to Garage Beers, the Garage Beers on our social media. Let us know what your garage beers are, what you're drinking, especially. Uh, you know me, I like my seasonal beer. So do you have a favorite seasonal beer? Do you have a favorite Christmas beer that maybe we haven't had on here that you're like, damn, these guys should have this beer. Get over there. Let us know on our socials and we'll go find them. But uh, Chad, to you, I say cheers to you, the listener. I say cheers. And now it's time for us to get on with our episode 90. It's hard to believe 90 episodes. Uh, and this one's going to be a good one. Uh, one of our very, very good buddies, uh, Jay Richardson joined us uh, to talk a little football. So we are going to send it over to that interview right now. All right. And we are really excited right now to be joined uh, by uh, a guest for the second time. Uh, a guy that uh, a former Buckeye, a former NFL player, a guy that you can catch down on uh, on ABC down there in Columbus talking Buckeyes. And yeah. you can catch him on his Twitter and his social medias because he puts all kinds of good stuff out there. Whether it's about the Buckeyes or the NFL or basketball or comic books or movies or whatever, this guy's a must-follow on social media. It is the one and only Jay Richardson. Jay, welcome back into the garage with us. Thank you so much for having me. Love the garage, man. I just got, I just just left one of my former teammates, uh, Maurice Claret's garage, is working out uh, in his garage. So, I'm all oh. the garage. <laughs> oh. Maurice Claret's working out in his garage. We don't do a lot of working out in our garage per se, but the drinks, <laughs> the drinks are always good and cold in our garage. So <laughs> you know what? I man actually I feel awful. I I, I would have had my tequila with me right now. I was ripping and running and I just forgot to grab my drink. Damn it. Hey, listen, it, it happens. Uh you you you've had a heck of a day. So uh Obviously, uh, we're not going to hold it against you that you didn't bring the tequila. Uh, but you know what? Just next time you're on, uh, you know, we'll do that. Talk to us. Jay, t tell us for a minute, because we're going to get into football and all kinds of fun stuff. But like in the background there, you've got movie posters. Is that Hamilton behind you? <laughs> no, it's actually. Um, uh, so it's the Avengers. Uh, oh, it's Thor. It looks like the Hamilton poster from like the bottom. Don't don't hey don't disrespect Thor like that. I He's just, way listen, cooler than him. Listen, listen, man. Listen, man. You know, I mean, he listen. He took no part in the Declaration of Independence, but he <laughs> he did some awesome shit. So yes, you're damn right. So, so we love Thor. We so love Thor. Uh, how many got some some quotes from Tony Stark and Spider Man? Yeah. How many comic books do you have? Um, so because I owned so many that it became, um, borderline irresponsible to, <laughs> to try to like, you know, uh, 
keep these things in storage and locate like 5,000 is too much. So uh, uh, the majority of the newer books I get now are digital. Marvel has a digital app. And I, I'm like a real nerd. Like I actually keep up with the storylines. So I read them on the app uh, because I enjoy this. So yeah, uh, a lot, put it that way. How do you feel about them like updating storylines as the time, as time goes on? You know, that's a great question. You know, they are constantly trying to make sure that their audience is, that they cater to their core audience. You know, the hardcore nerds like myself (laughs) who've been rocking with, uh, Marvel and DC and stuff like that for for decades. But you want to bring along the newcomers. You want in the young audience because obviously if you want a sustainable business model. You want to have a young audience. So you have to reinvent certain characters. You have to yeah. push the envelope with storylines. You have to uh, push the envelope with uh, you know uh, certain gender designations and and, and things of that nature. Uh, that spice things up and that make it interesting for your younger audience and make, you know, things that might be uh, apply or applicable to, to, to who you might be catering to. So I understand that. Uh, and as far as the cinematic universe goes, uh, I think Marvel is absolutely nailing it. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I, it's surprising that they, in the last, I'd say the last two decades, the last 20 years have, you know, surpassed DC cinematically by so much. It's oh, yeah. Unbelievable because DC uh, has stronger, older characters. When you think Batman, Superman, these guys have been around since the 30s and 40s. Yes. Uh, you know, since, you know, when I was a kid, Michael Keaton was Batman. Yes. And, you Jack know what Nicholson. I mean? And, and, and Christopher Reeves was Superman. Yes. And, 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 and they, there was not tons of Marvel anything in movies or television. It was all, you know, those guys other than Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so then Marvel just comes and does this massive overhaul of, of their studios. They partner with Disney and they just take it to a whole level we never thought possible and brought all the things from the pages, like to, re, you know, to, 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 yeah. which was, uh, you know, I just saw Eternals this week uh loved it thought it was you know everyone was like man we didn't i guys like me were like, i didn't know that that was the direction marvel was gonna go was gonna go in next but i thought for what it was what for what it was supposed to be pretty damn good movie uh and alluded to some cool things that are up and coming in phase four or five or whatever they're rolling out it's gonna get cool it's gonna get it's gonna be pretty neat because you know it's it's hard to you know robert downey jr laying down the mantle uh, Chris Evans laying down the mantle of yeah. Captain America and Iron Man, respectively. It's like, uh, where do you go from there? But I think they, I think the, the franchise is in pretty good hands. They, I can't think of a lot of movie series that nailed it the way that, especially the way the Avengers went through. The yeah. way they nailed the storylines through all the movies. Like when I, I sat down last year because of COVID and I had nothing else to do, so I watched them all in like the order they were supposed to go in. And the way the way they nailed like just little details from movie to movie was killer. Uh, Here's the real question, though. This this is a test for you because you're like a big you're like you're 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 the nerdy comic book guy, but you're also like the big football tough guy. The the Tony Stark (laughs) funeral scene, the Tony Stark funeral scene, especially when they ask his daughter about what she wants to eat. And she says something like a cheeseburger or something like that. Can you get through that without crying? That was rough, man. That was rough. Um, and then when 
he comes up on the hollow projector out of his helmet and is talking to them. You know, he he knew it, it was probably he wasn't going to make it out of that situation, but he wanted to leave something for yeah. them. That was rough on me. I mean, I was in the theater trying to keep it together. You know, uh, I was I was I mean, I'm, I'll take it back to the snap when he, you know, righted everything that Thanos wronged and you knew it was going to be the last thing he ever did. And he's literally gasping his last breaths and, you know, Peter's all over him, yep. Spider-Man trying to talk to him. And my head, I was like, get out of the way. Like, let his wife come speak to him. This is his last moments. And, you know, she's just like, hey, we're going to be all right. And I was like, oh, oh this is rough. <laughs> That was that was the dagger, man. That was that was tough for me. I'll be honest. I still I got tears. I still, I still that last scene with maybe it's because I'm a dad, but when they ask his daughter and she just gives the cutest little answer, I'm just like, well, I'm a blubbering mess on the couch. Great. (laughs) Uh, I don't think people realize just how good, uh, and not and not just for uh, a superhero film, just in general, how good the acting was. Uh, first class acting, great writing. Uh, like, I don't know why series like this, movies like in this genre aren't Oscar worthy or right. whatever, but it's like, this is a good film. Take away the box office numbers that blow everything out of the water. It's a good movie. This right. Is, these are good top tier actors doing great work. And, you know, the committee's always just like, ah, it's not real. It's like, Give it to La La Land. Right, right. It's always got to go to Sun. Yeah, I, guess. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. That's cheesy that they're like, oh, yes, but man, the cinematography was amazing. Like, so was a damn Avengers. It was amazing. You know how much money they spent on that? Yeah, I know. I Anyways, I could go, go all day. I'm with you. I'm, I'm also a little nerdy. I never got into the comic books. But as a little kid, I collected the cards and I still have them in that room over there somewhere in a hey. box like the whole box set of like 1990 Marvel cards. Uh, and I've got them sitting in that room over there. So I'm with you. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little bit of football uh, as much as I could join you on the comic books uh, and the Avengers all night. Um, so, Hey, big week so far uh, for the Buckeyes. Uh, yeah. the, the first thing that happens Tuesday night, the playoff ranking comes out. And as you knew was going to happen, the Buckeyes jump into that fourth spot and, uh, Jay, it's 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 felt like it from the time they lost that Oregon game. They lost at the right time. I mean, in college football, there is such a time, such a thing as winning and losing at the right time. And to take to take an early loss to a good Oregon team, uh, uh, you just knew that everything's set up in their schedule for them to bounce back. And Ohio State's done everything they needed to to bounce back. So, I mean, are you feeling like how do you feel when you saw that top four come out? Wasn't surprised at all, um, especially with Michigan State going down to the giant slayers that is Purdue. Uh, you, you knew it, it, it was time to kind of get the, the more accurate top four together. Uh, I'll, I'll discuss Cincinnati in a, in, a, in a little bit, but just piggybacking off of what you said about Ohio State season, I, I said this on, on, on air a couple weeks back on ABC. I said, listen, you know, the committee should reward these top programs for scheduling tough games early in the year because they didn't have to do that. They don't have to schedule Oregon, uh, you know, week number three or whatever, two or three with 
a yeah week, week two with a freshman quarterback who's only played in one game. <laughs> and, you know, like they didn't have to schedule that, but they want to make sure that, you know, that that their name is always, you know, synonymous with top tier program, top tier competition. And they went out there, played a hell of a game. Uh, people, you know, were so tough on C.J. Stroud after that game. And I'm thinking they still put up, you know, 20, right. 20, 20 uh, whatever plus points. It, it wasn't his fault that, that they gave up 35. But uh, but also, like, it's his second game as a starter ever. Like, right. his numbers through the first three weeks were better than Justin Fields' numbers through his first three weeks. Uh, so let's just stop this whole, like, he's got to be better. What what other freshman quarterback you know this is going to come in and put up these kind of numbers his first time in the driver's seat? Like, take it easy. It's called development. Let a guy have a chance to become what he's going to be. No one was who they were going to be week three. And so Ohio State fans, I love my Buckeyes. I love my, my, my Columbus folk. But Ohio State fans can be irritating sometimes with their with their just – zero patience. I tweeted this. I was like, Ohio State fans have zero patience. They want greatness now. And they want it every year. And they want it week one. And I was like, dude, this kid's seeing all this for the first time. He's going to make some mistakes. I don't know. Like, we extend no grace to newcomers. It's like, you come in there, you better be. If you're not in the Heisman discussion as the quarterback, then we got problems. And and up until last week, he was in the Heisman discussion. Like, right. As a freshman, so let's pump our brakes. But I, what, I, what I said on camera uh, a few weeks back was if you had took our schedule, our first, like, five games and reversed them like we usually do, if, 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 if we started instead of starting with Minnesota and Oregon. like he, Right. The first two games were, like, Big Ten play, top ten On the team. road. What? That's Big not play, normal. Big Ten on the road and then top on ten. The yeah, yeah. So if he starts his if he starts his 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 Ohio State career off with like you know uh, Tulane and Akron and what you know those warm up games and then gets into Big Ten play and then plays we're undefeated right now. Oh yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree. It's not even a question. If I we agree. played Oregon tomorrow, it's a different result. But you 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 know the committee knows that. So they I think I'm, I'm saying all this to say they did the right thing with the ranking uh, because it just makes sense. And Oregon playing well makes us look great. You know, we, we played a tough game uh, and, and, and then lost a close one with, with a brand new team with a, with a, with a QB in his second time uh, in action. And turns out they're a pretty damn good football team. So that's great. We'll take that. I'm not worried about us because I know we control Ohio state controls their own destiny. Flat well, and that's, it's one of my biggest complaints. It's it's one of the things I love college football, but it's one of the things that drives me a little bit crazy about college football. Is so much is relying on style points. When in reality, when in reality, it's just win the game. It's just win, just win. That should be the what only thing you got to do. I was going to say your your buddy, who you do a podcast with, Maurice Claret. Yeah. You go back to that season that they won the national championship. Yeah, our freshman year. You go back. You go back to that season where you guys won the national championship. Uh, you guys had plenty of games that weren't blowouts. You guys had that Purdue game, absolutely. That Illinois game, that overtime Illinois game yeah. against you guys had plenty of games that were the, close the and Purdue tight. Game. Yes, holy Buckeye. Yeah, we needed that catch. Like we needed, we needed yes. like critical late game heroics 
to win games. Hell, that year, if I recall, that was my freshman year. If I recall correctly, I think we struggled with Cincinnati. You uh, did. You did struggle with Cincinnati. That was a tight game. Yes. So if, if style points were what was going to do it, we would have not. You know, the difference is we were undefeated. So you're under. You know, you never lose. You go fourteen and zero. You go fourteen. Correct. Correct. Uh, you know, if you have, if you don't have any losses. To me, you don't need style points. You're undefeated. You're undefeated. You beat everybody on your schedule. If you schedule a decent schedule and you smack everybody and you're a conference champion, you're in. Uh, you know, if Georgia wins out and wins the SEC, they're in. If Oklahoma wins out, wins the are they? They're, they're, I, I, how are you going to leave them out if they go uh, undefeated? Okay, so well, champions. I, I like. I agree with the logic, but okay. Like, let's 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 play that out. Let's say Oregon runs the table. Yeah. They'll be in Georgia, I think, is insane. So let's say Georgia runs the table, beats Bama. You know, you know, the conversation about Bama every year, you know, the conversation they would. That committee would rather crap down their leg in public than keep Alabama out of that top four. You yeah. know that. So here's like the doomsday scenario. That I think none of us want to see. Alabama wins. Alabama wins the SEC championship against Georgia. Hell breaks loose. And, if, and it's a close game. Right. Right? It's a close one-score game. Alabama ekes it out. Now, those two teams game, will be in. Those two teams would be in. It's going to be shot because you know they're going to put both of them in. So yep. now two slots are gone. Right. Then – Ohio State wins out as Big Ten champions. They're Oregon in. wins out is 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 uh is is you know the champions of the pack. Yep. Hold on, OU wins out undefeated. And Cincinnati remains undefeated. Yeah. How do you fill those last two slots? Because the committee has often said that they really value head-to-head matchups. So if that's truly the case, Ohio State as Big Ten champs going. What uh, eleven and one or whatever you know ten and one or whatever they're out or Georgia, I mean no 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 you're not going to leave Georgia out and you're not going to leave <laughs> right you're not going to leave them out so there's only two slots left right you mean to tell me you're going to leave out of Ohio State a Big Ten champion that beat Michigan Michigan State right both when they were you know ranked in the top in the top ten and uh and 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 has a, you know, a few other quality wins and a Big yeah. Ten championship. And you're going to leave them out because because the second week of the season, when they were young and inexperienced, they lost a close one to Oregon. That's a tough pill to swallow. But you can't leave an undefeated OU out. They're going to look at the committee and go, we beat everybody on our schedule. And we're a Power 5 conference. We're undefeated. We're a Power 5 conference. What are you talking about? And then Oregon's going to go, we, we, we have a conference championship. We beat Ohio State. We beat Ohio State. And you're right. talking about putting them in. That is a doomsday scenario. The committee will have nightmares thinking about if that happens. So, and then obviously Cincinnati's going to go. When are we going to be taken seriously? Yeah, we, we we smacked you know Notre Dame. We scheduled that game in South Bend and went up there and beat them. Did we look great against Army? No. Did we look great against Tulsa? No. Who cares? But that Who brings me back. That brings me back to my original point. These style points, right? Exactly. Your guys' team that won the national championship, you took down. Literally one of the greatest football teams that have ever played college football together Dude. in that Miami Hurricanes team. That literally was when you look at the Pro Bowl players in the NFL that came off of that team. It's that one was of the, an NFL team we beat. Yes, and you guys literally 
accomplish that. And you had so many non-stylistic wins in that season. You had so many close nail biter, given Ohio state Buckeye fans, nightmare wins that you won. Uh, it, that's what drives me crazy. And then, and then it drives me crazy that, that all of these scenarios are possible. And like, I don't know why we're so stubborn about just, just make these playoffs a little bigger. Like just, just make these playoffs a little bigger. I'd, I'd rather argue about the 12th team than the fourth. The top four or two teams, probably top four teams, get a first round bye. You add in, you add in, you know, four more. Let them play it out, have a semifinals, and then have a championship. Right. I don't know any other way to do it. That That is as fair as you could possibly get. Because now every Power Five is going to have a crack at it. Right. Every conference champion is going to have a crack at it. And Cincinnati gets to finally get their chance to go to the dance and go and, and prove their worth. Because I'm I'm half hoping, and I love Luke Fickle. That he, he was my defensive line coach yes. my freshman year. I've known that dude since I was 17. Yeah. Love that brother. I have I'm half hoping that the committee, I'm hoping OU you know loses to Baylor this week. Or, right, you know, right, right. Flips up, right? I'm hoping Georgia goes undefeated, wins out. Ohio State wins out. Oregon slips up against, I don't know, Utah or somebody, whatever. <laughs> right. Oregon slips up, right? And then you can get Ohio State and Georgia, one yeah. and two. You can get OU, and I'm hoping that fourth slot they finally give to Cincy just so that if they go in there and play a, a big-time team and get their butts kicked, we can kind of go, okay, we can put this to bed, you know. But the cool thing for Cincy is that would be a great opportunity because if they go in there and play their balls off and get a win in the first round, even if they lose the second round, you know, losing the championship, if they win, people are going to go, okay, it's official. You know, from here on out, that sets a new standard for their football team because people forget a year and a half ago, Cincinnati played Georgia in a bowl game. Yes. And I don't yes. think anybody remembers – they only lost by like less than 10 points. I it was, was a close game the whole way through. It was a close game down yes. until late in the fourth quarter. Like they were going back and forth. So you can't tell me that's not a good ball club. And you're, you're, you, you played at the highest level. And, and that's an argument that I never quite understood because I always felt like I was the shittiest athlete of all time. But when I put, when I put the gear on whatever sport I was playing, you try all the way down to just playing Playing ball at the rec, like playing pickup ball at yeah. the rec. Once I'm out there, it's like, all right, I'm going to go for it, right? Dude. So it, I never understood the argument of, oh yeah, well Georgia though they were just mad that they didn't make the playoffs and no. and so they no. so no. they took it easy on Cincinnati. There's no way that's right. When you're make out there, you're easy. trying to win, right? Dude, it's football. You can't right. go out there. Let me tell you something about the, about the game of football, especially when you play at a high level with top-tier athletes, big, strong dudes moving as fast as they move. If you're not out there going 100%, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get injured. Something's going to go wrong, and you're going to really get yourself hurt. You're going to end up in the hospital if you aren't 100% locked in, aware, and playing your butt off because the one snap that you slack off or go take it easy, you're going to, you're going to get injured, man. So, no. If you're on that field, you know scouts are watching, your family's watching. You're not out there to play around. You're going to get everything you fucking got because if you don't, someone's going to hurt you. So, no, no, that's BS. They played Thank as you. hard as Thank they played, and they almost didn't beat Cincinnati. And they, 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 they flew home thinking that was a damn good football team. Their head coach said in the, post, in the post-game presser, he said, that team is as good as any team we played all year. So you know what I – 
I love your scenario. It, it, it again, it's just that one of those things that bugs me is that over half the teams that play college football are not playing for a championship in a, a division one over half the teams are not playing for any legitimate shot at a championship. And that just doesn't make sense to me because we do it. We do it in basketball and we can, you can talk all you want about, about, Oh, well, listen, if Alabama played Cincinnati, they're going to steamroll. Them. Uh, okay. Maybe, but like how many, how many times do you see in March madness, a two seed knock a fit? How, uh, Hostra knockoff Duke or, you know, like you know what I think it is. I think it's a lot of these big time power five teams are, are a little bit nervous. They don't want to, they don't want that matchup because they're like, what if we don't come out there and execute and have one of those off days where we just aren't our sharpest selves and they come out juiced up to the max and they play their balls off and they beat us. How does that make us look? Yeah. Any given Sunday, any given Saturday, whatever. When you put, you know, 22 athletes on the field, pad it up, you can throw all those three and four and five yes. star stuff out of the window, dude. It comes down to who yes. wants it more. And also it comes down to which coaching staff knows how to execute and knows how to adapt in game. See, that's the key. A lot of these coaches, they can recruit their asses off and they can get you all the stars in the world. But when the game starts, you got to make adjustments. And I've watched games where I went, yep, you know what? That staff got out coached by that staff. I don't care what you want to you can call it, whatever you want to. Those that coaching staff out coached that other staff. You know how I know? Because I watch Bill Belichick do it like every other Sunday to teams with far better talent than the Patriots have. He's still and doing he it. Yeah. Goes out there, he executes a fantastic game plan. He finds all your weaknesses, he exploits them, <laughs> and you end up in a in a dog fight, and you usually end up losing. And he ends up looking like the mad genius he is because he just understands the game, dude. So don't tell me. You know, uh, well, they would they, they would steamroll them. Okay, play it out. And don't get me wrong. I think Nick Saban is as great of an executor on oh, yeah. game day as exists in college football. Um, I would put a, a few coaches in that in that list. Um, you know, love them or hate them. Uh, Urban Meyer used to do a fantastic job at halftime. Of, oh yeah. Like, okay, I see what's going on here. We're gonna we're gonna switch things up. They come out and come out second half with a game plan that would really uh, bother the opposing staff. And I. That's what they did to us when I was at Ohio State. We played them my senior year in the bowl game. We had a, we had a whole NFL team too. All of our guys got drafted. Me, yes. you know, uh, Ted Ginn, Anthony Gonzalez, Troy Smith, Quinn Pick. We had tons of draft picks. Uh, they kicked the hell out of us, and they had a great strategy, a great game plan. And then Urban at the halftime flipped his whole script and then kicked our ass even more. Yeah, what are we gonna do? So coaching matters. Um, and a lot of coaches don't want to, you know, have that conversation yet. Like. Some of y'all are getting out coached out here on game day. All right, so let's bring it back to Ohio State for a minute because you brought this up. It's Purdue weekend. It's my it's one of my least favorite weekends on the schedule literally every year because, like you said, they are the giant killer. I don't know what happens to Purdue. I don't know why Purdue loses. I don't know why they lose to Mac schools every year, and then they come out and pull upsets. But uh, this Purdue game gives us fits every year. They're a team that plays plays Ohio State and every big team tough every year. So the schedule ahead of Purdue, now you're looking at those two games at the end of the year. You're looking at Michigan State, Michigan, and, and what moves on beyond that. How do you keep the focus on that team in front of you? Does it help? Does it help that Purdue knocked off the number two team in the country in Iowa? Does that help you as a coaching staff if you're in that room like, hey, guys, like, look what they did to Iowa when they were number two. We got to bring our A game. So let's 
you, I think you nailed it right there. Let's just kind of delve into the psychology of, of, of both sides preparing for this game, right? So if you're Purdue, you're feeling pretty damn confident in what you got uh, just because, as you said, you were able to knock off a top three team in Iowa. You're able to, again, knock off another top uh, four team in Michigan State. <laughs> you're coming off of a huge win for your program. Your quarterback, who's mercurial, right? He Sometimes he dude looks like uh, Drew Brees, and sometimes right. he looks like a walk-on that shouldn't be there. Uh, so you don't know what you're going to get out of him. But when he's on, they're going to throw for about 400 yards, and they're going to look pretty damn good. They're averaging three, like 90-something. So, so they can pass the ball around, and they've got guys in the skill positions that have an opportunity – to create up to create some problems specifically for our OSU defense because I don't know that OSU's defense is still where it needs to be if they want to go where they say they want to go, which is to make some noise in the Final Four. If you want to do that, we're going to play way better defense, way more consistent defense. We do create turnovers. We can we can affect the passer uh, when we get it going. But we have to be able to consistently get off the field on third down. We've been bad in the red zone, bad on third down, right? Bend but don't break. But, like, sometimes we're breaking, and then we'll get a turnover that saves our ass. And and that's great, but you don't want to have to rely on, like, big, big turnovers, uh, you know, sack fumbles, interception for touchdowns. Those are great, but if you have to rely on it or you're hoping for that, you just can't play consistently, you know, get off the field in three downs or at least six, uh, you're going you're gonna to struggle at some point against a good team. So psychology, right? All week long, I can guarantee you Ryan Day is going to show a clip of that 2018 loss to Purdue at least once a day, right? Just, just to remind them. But he doesn't have to because they're coming off of a game against Nebraska yeah. where, yes, they got the win, but it wasn't one of those wins you can feel great about. Right? No. You're not feeling cocky about that win. You're you're going to come away from that game if you're Ohio State and you're honest with yourself. You're going to come away from that game going, we left some plays on the field. See, if you're CJ, you're going to come away from that game going, dude, I made some bonehead mistakes in this game. I looked really young and inexperienced at times. Uh, I was not reading when it was time to just throw it out of bounds or when it was time to just scramble and take that eight yards right in front of you, slide and get up and live to see another day. So there were some mistakes. And if you're Ryan Day, you're coming away from that game going, man, why was I still passing the ball with two and a half minutes to go and almost caused, almost lost the game on a potential uh, sack caused fumble that would have lost the game had they not recovered it? Uh, and why did why did the, the victory really depend on Noah Ruggles' right leg? Right. So if you're honest with yourself, you're gonna you're gonna be in the film room with your guys going, dude, we did not, that, that was not our best ball. The committee is gonna look at that and go. Man, this Ohio State team, they won, and only the only reason that they are going to stay in the top four is because Bama didn't look great against LSU. Right. We all agree is not a great team. Correct. So, so the, I think the committee, I think Bama not looking great helped us because the committee was like, ah, it was a rough week. Hey, both teams won. We'll just kind of bump them up. And if you're Purdue, it's the reverse. You're feeling high. You're feeling good. Right. You're feeling frisky. We're really good. We think we're really good. So this is not a trap game. It would have been a trap game any other time. Had we had we come off of kicking the hell out of like three teams in a row, looking amazing, putting up 40, 50, 60 yes. points three weeks in a row, we'd be coming to this game going, oh, we're going to kick the hell out of these guys. We're not. We're coming to this game going, fuck, we got to play better. Yeah. We got to be better. So I think Ryan Day is going to 
want to get going fast. You know, we were it was 11 a.m. last week in Nebraska for us on our clock. Right. We started slow. We looked sloppy. We're still the most penalized team, I think, in the Big Ten, which is uh, at some point that falls on your coaching staff. Yes. To have your guys organized and ready to play on game day. More pre-snap penalties than anybody, which is uh, a nightmare if you're trying to win a tough game. <laughs> you can get away with playing like that against Nebraska. You're not going to get away from playing like that against Michigan, nope. Michigan State. Uh, you know, hopefully one day Alabama, Georgia. You, they're going to kick the hell out of us if we're if we're fall starting and every time our drive start, it's first and fifteen. Right. That's not realistic. Like the margin of error is like that big against good teams. You can't fuck yourself because you won't have a chance. Correct. So I think we know that. I think this team is going to actually come out pretty aggressive. Uh, I think that opening drive is going to be super scripted. And it's going to be boom, boom, boom. I think we're going to go back to our up-tempo offense. I expect CJ to be sharp. People got to keep in mind he had no Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson is our best receiver is Chris Olave because he has the best skill set. He's just so damn smooth and polished (laughs) and can do everything very well. He's a pro on the field right now. He could be in the NFL right now making millions. He probably should have been. Garrett Wilson, however, is – talent in that receiver building or in that receiver room. He's a freak. I mean, run intermediate routes, deep, uh, crossing routes, jumps the highest, can cut it on and beat. I mean, he's special, dude. He's yeah. special. He's like, he's super special and not having him because he was in concussion protocols last week really uh, affect, I, I think, Jackson Smith showed out, played a hell of a game, had a career day. <laughs> yeah. But, but Garrett Wilson creates so many matchup nightmares that it opens things up for, for Olave and Jackson. It makes everything so much easier, and we didn't utilize Rucker enough. He's going to be a first, a second-day draft pick, Jeremy Rucker, and that kid's going to play a long time in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I love that you brought up Olave, and, I, and I, I have a question for you about the defense, but you brought him up, and I just love that. What I love about Chris Olave is it looks – I've never seen it look like he's working hard. Like, Does he even sweat? It, Have you seen him it, sweat yet? That dude looks – he looks like the slowest guy on the field that's moving faster than everybody. Like, that's – like, his strides are slow. It, it, it's – Terrell Pryor actually used to look like that when he would take off running yeah. as a quarterback, and he'd be taking these, like, big, long steps, and his legs wouldn't be moving all that fast, but he'd be just blowing by everybody. That's Chris well, you know, Olave. He's in the end zone, and no yeah. one's caught him. What the hell just happened? Um, so you know what they call that in basketball when you see a guy that plays like that and you're like, man, it seems like he's just kind of – they call it moving at your own pace. They say, man, that guy's pace is amazing. Chris Olave has a pace to his game. He understands the game appears so well that he knows when to exert himself in his route. He knows when to cut it on, cut it off, and, and kind of throttle it back. And the result is on the field it just looks like he's gliding yeah. and he's smooth. But when you when you do an ISO shot on the camera and you watch him one on one, like he ran a he ran a fade comeback in the red zone in the second quarter. I've never seen this route before. I don't know about <laughs> that damn route. And the dude breaks like he's going to the back pylon, sticks his hand up, makes eye contact with the DB. DB sees his eyes. DB snaps his head around, and then he pivots off his right yep. foot, turns completely around, does a comeback, and is ready to catch the ball touchdown. And, and, the, and the DB's still trying to – like, the DB needs the <laughs> he's, CPS. He's down the tunnel. They went. Like, it's it's, <laughs> old, it's over. Strike up the band. And I'm like – I'm at home rewinding it on my TV. Like, what did he just run? <laughs> what was that route? 
who is this dude? Like, it, yeah. he just made it look like it was like, and then he didn't even celebrate. Caught the ball, tossed it. Like, yep. no big deal. This is this is just another Saturday for him. Dude's special, man. He's spectacularly boring, is what Chris Olave is. He's right? spectacularly it's boring. Easy. It's yeah. too easy. He needs a different level of competition. He'll have to cut it on in the NFL a little bit more. We got one of those up here in Cleveland with the Browns. We got Nick Chubb. Just spectacularly boring. Doesn't oh. celebrate. Doesn't ever look like he's working all that hard, but then he just runs past everybody. That dude is a machine. Yeah, he's great. He's just focused. Everyone gave Baker Mayfield all the love and adulation for that win last week. Baker played well. Don't get me wrong. Can't take anything from Baker. That game was won by the O-line, Chubb, and Denzel Ward. Well, I will never forget, not that I needed to hop to the Browns here, but they were doing, they were on hard knocks the year that Baker and uh, and Chubb and them got drafted. And I'll never forget. It was the opening, like the opening scene of hard knocks. Nick Chubb's at the Cleveland airport, picking his bags up. And there's a guy standing next to him. He's like, you play football? And Chubb's like, yeah. Huh? And the guy's like, for who? Chubb's like the Browns. <laughs> like, just just, yeah. Uh, uh, so I have a question for you about the defense, right? Because I do think it's gotten progressively better. But where it was at the beginning of the year was a train wreck. I mean, uh, defensively, or that Oregon game, the Minnesota game, I'm not sure they win that Minnesota game if that outstanding running back doesn't go out of that game uh, because he was running all over Ohio State. And then the Oregon game happens, and it's like, oh, no, this defense. I think the defense has gotten progressively better. You were were a defensive lineman. Uh, The thing that's throwing me off is – they are creating a little bit of team pressure, but you don't have like those guys out there that are just, you know, we're used to in Ohio state. We're used to those chase young types that are just even, even Tommy Togi. I last year was so dominant when he played. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing that's thrown me off is Ohio state traditionally is kind of linebacker. You right. They, they can, <laughs> they've always had like these spectacular linebackers playing there. We're definitely DBU, um, but yeah, you're right. We've had, you know, from Shazier and Raekwon and we've, you know, and even Pete Warner who went second round, who yeah. I told everybody, I told everybody, I said, watch out for Pete Warner in the draft. And they were like, Pete Warner. And I was like, see, y'all look for big names and stars and, and, right. and these people attributes. You don't actually watch film. I watch film. Pete jumped off the tape. Yeah. That dude was flying all the way everywhere. The ball. He went to the combine, ran a four five. And they were like, <laughs> oh yeah, he'll definitely be in the NFL. He, he, <laughs> It's not always about how you play in college. It's about how you project to the NFL game mm-hmm. because the NFL is a different game than college. Right. And people don't often, and, uh, most people don't really understand that, that statement. It's a different game from the size of the football to the hash marks. It's a, right. the rules. It's a different game. This guy projects. But to your point, um, Ohio State struggled early for a couple of reasons. One, the obvious, right? There's nobody with the last name Young or Bosa. Well, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the huddle. And I don't think people truly understand the generational talents that the Bosa brothers, that Chase Young, the freak of nature he was, was. And I don't think people understand how much stress it took off of your back end and linebackers when you had a dude that on any given play was going to eat up two and three, sometimes three blocks. Yeah. Right. You have a monster like that. You don't have to blitz. He's an instant blitz. The ball snaps. Right. right. This man, guess what you're doing? You're blitzing because right. pressure is going to be on the quarterback. We don't have a chase. Young. We wanted, you know, we were hoping Zach Harrison could maybe be that. And we were looking at 
I think lately Tyreek Smith is 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 is, is becoming closer to like a, a great third down guy. Don't get me wrong. So we have to manufacture pressures with blitzing, uh, twists, a lot of stunts. And you also had a defense that in the first three weeks of the season, we played like 22 guys, 23, 24 yes. guys, rolling a lot of guys. So that's a problem sometimes, especially with young players, because your ones go out there. They make mistakes. They go back to the sideline. They're looking at the, you know, the cards. They're looking at the, the iPads, seeing the mistake they made, and they're going, okay, great. When I get back out there, I know what to correct. Yeah. But they don't go back out there right away. The second group gets, a, gets the crack at it the next time. They go make the same mistakes. Right. So the turnaround takes longer, right? So you don't know who your two deep is those first couple weeks. You know, you're, you, and, and these first two games aren't like warm-up games like we're used to. We threw them right in the fire. So they were going to struggle, and they did. Right. Um, by week five, we knew, okay, this is our top, you know, these are our starters, and these are our guys we're going to be rotating. These are our top, like, 16 guys we're going to really rock with. And then the emergence uh, of Steel Chambers, yeah. who I would categorize as, like, uh, Pete Warner 2.0, because I think there's a lot of similarities in his game. Uh, short area quickness, fantastic instincts. Uh he played offense, so he understands what offenses are trying to do. Uh, he understands what backs are trying to do. He knows all the backs' routes because he used to run them. So when he's covering a back out of the backfield, he just has a natural smoothness to how he's chasing because he knows all those routes, right? So it adds a really good element. Him not playing in, in, in the, I think, the first quarter of the game because of the targeting from the previous game. Yes. Uh, you saw his impact right away. He gets in the game, boom, tackle for loss, two plays later pass break up and you're like yeah that guy's supposed to be out there and the defense started to look better and then the passer started to come along it's happening uh ronnie hickman uh you know i think is going to be a playmaker um cam brown we got some guys that can make plays in the back end we just had to really figure out hey who's going to be how are we going to get a pass rush with just four guys because if you can't get a four-man pass rush on a long enough timeline, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna stress your defense out because every time you blitz, one guy goes, which means another guy has to replace him in coverage. Yep. Which is it's just by just by design is a stress on your defense. So late in that game, we started to get better four-man pressures. We had some beautiful twists happen. Uh Tyreek got going. That big old freshman we got, uh he he's he's been playing well all year, actually. Um, and that allowed for the coverage to kind of settle in. And then we started seeing some plays made in the passing game. So if our defense stays on the current trajectory, right, if, if, if the pass rush continues to come along and get a little bit better every week, by Big Ten Championship, I'm expecting our, four, our front four to be rocking and rolling. We're not, we don't have that guy, right? We don't have a chase. Like, that guy's not. Right, right, court, right. Right? He just doesn't. That, we might not see that guy for another 10 years. Correct. If we're being honest. Like, I think Ohio State fans have to realize we've been absurdly spoiled. Yeah, right. Certain positions. Like, no other team in the country had a chase young. Just us. Right, correct. Right? Like, these guys are going one and two in the draft, man. Like, that's not normal. Right, right. The Bosa brothers went, like, what, like, second round, the second picks in the draft. That's okay. Well, those two are the craziest. normal. How do you go from okay. Joey Bosa and then like the next one's like just as good? Like the next brother's just as good. It's and crazy. Then the following year, it's Chase Young, who's maybe better than all of them. So right, right. So we've been spoiled for like five years of just like generational talents yeah. at the defensive end spot, and we're just like, oh yeah, 
Uh, Zach will be that guy too. So will this guy. It's like, I, that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, man. That's, you're talking about genetics. You can't control that. Those guys are genetic specimens. Like, what are you going to do? You might not recruit another kid like that for another 10 years. So just, that's like saying every guy that replaces LeBron should be LeBron. Those guys don't be come nice. around all that often, man. It'd be Those nice here players. in Cleveland if that did happen. Uh, it'd be nice. Right. Uh, sure, uh, sure. Uh, no, but it, it, it's certainly, you know, it. I, I think it provides a little, a little hope. And I think if you're a Buckeyes fan and you're listening to this, like it should provide a little hope because yeah. that guy isn't on the team right now. And yet your Buckeyes are in the top four. They're in the college football playoff currently. You got a couple sure. tough games left. Uh, Just win out. Like, focus on one game. At, you know, I know it sounds cliche. Beat Purdue. And then handle your business against Michigan State. And then the fun one, right? You know, uh, and if you can beat the, the khaki king, you're good to go. Because right? I don't know that anybody in the Big Ten West is going to be a challenge. <laughs> the khaki king. No, those stupid khakis. I hate those pants. Dude, hey, tucks, hey, tucks in like a sweater. He probably uh, eats his steaks with ketchup. I don't know. Dude's weird. Uh, he's so weird. Um, uh, okay, so before I let you out of here, just a couple quick hitters, just from kind of around the world of, of sports in general. Uh, sure. uh, again, we're a Cleveland podcast. Uh, you put a lot of stuff out there about the NBA, about the NFL. You played in the NFL. So I we've had... We've had we've had the drama here with the Browns uh, of of we've had the whole the Obel, Odell Beckham situation. Sure, I can't make sense of it. Like the whole thing, I I I I am not the type that that comes out and says, oh well, he was just a malcontent or he was a problem. For me, I've said on this podcast a thousand times, I think Odell Beckham was like a model citizen the whole time he was in Cleveland. Like, what did he do I don't know wrong? What, he was there. I don't know what it was like behind the scenes. I don't know what it was like behind the scenes. I don't I'll know tell what. You. Okay. So uh, Denzel Ward's a good friend of mine. Okay. Uh, me and Miles Garrett uh, have, have have the same management. I so I so I talked to him. Every single body in that locker room loved Odell. That's what it just seemed for, like. Just for the record, guys were like, "Dude, oh, like." Odell's fucking awesome. Like he's a good teammate. He 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 had the respect of all the young receivers. He would coach them up in practice, spend time with them running routes, fly him to his parties. Like he's a good, he's a good guy to have in your corner. Like he's a dudes love him. Like he's not, he's not a diva in the locker room. Like he's pretty chill. Uh his whole time he was there, he learned from his mistakes in New York about the sideline antics and being emotional and kicking the, the nets and yeah. stuff. He didn't do any of that stuff. You didn't see him yelling at Baker or yelling at Coach Never. on the sidelines. The dude stayed in his lane. He he ran his routes. Sometimes he'd be open and drop a pass here or there. He knows he has to be better, uh, especially when he has a chance to catch a ball. But for every clip they show of him dropping a pass, I can show you a clip of him running a beautiful route, being wide open, and Baker missing him. Sure. Uh, a lot. So, And I'm not just crapping on Baker. What I'm saying is it was never really about Odell. And I think people want it so badly because he's such a polarizing figure in the in the in the you know just in the football uh, space uh, you know for the media especially he's a he's this he's a big personality so sure. it's like it must have been something with him and Baker. If you listen to anybody that locker room that I've talked to, they're all like, no, like he was great. Like, Odell was cool. No one had a problem with Odell. Like he 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 competed his butt off in practice, and you know they just couldn't get on the same page on on game day sometimes. 
let's let's not forget, like act like defenses when they when they are putting together a game plan. Their first order of business is to take Odell Odell off the board. Right. So they're going to roll coverages. They're going to you know, and now and then and every every receiver gets frustrated when they're not you know getting balls. But Juice Landry is fantastic when he's healthy. I think that dude moves the chains as good as anybody in this league. I love him. And then you got and, you, and then you got a great running back and you got a you know a great old line. Honestly, every when, when healthy, when fully healthy, this Cleveland offense, and I hate to say it like this because you'll, you'll 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 think I'm attacking him, but I'm not. But when fully healthy at full strength, their own their only weakness, like if there was a weak link in the chain, would be the quarterback position. It ain't going to be O line. It ain't going to be a receiver. It ain't going to be uh, running back. So the only guy that had to really step up and play better was Baker. And the games he played well and made smart decisions, they won those games. The games where Nick Chubb didn't play, they had injuries in the O-line, and Baker, you know, was banged up, had the shoulder, and struggled a little bit. Those games they lost. At, at some point, you have to hold the quarterback accountable like you do in every other franchise. When Lamar, when the Ravens lose, people go, Lamar Jackson's got to be better. Is he – you know, they tease him about, the, uh, about being a running back. But when they win, they go, man, that kid's all-world former MVP. Baker, it's the same thing with you, brother. When y'all win, they're going to say you played great. And you did last week. You played your butt off, and you threw some great passes. But when you lose, you're going to get the same thing. So it's about consistency. Um, you can't tell me, and I'm just unbiased. I know, you're, I know you're a brownie. No, for sure. But just unbiased, if you were to swap Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers right now, Right now, <laughs> like right now. <laughs> uh, how about this? If you were to swap a, a Baker Mayfield and a vaccinated Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not immune, in, not immunized, not immunized, not vaccinated, immunized. <laughs> fully vaxxed Aaron Rodgers, you don't think that offense is going to look? Yeah, it's going to be five notches up higher. Sure, sure. Not saying Baker's not a good court. He, the dude is. Uh, just look at his numbers. He's a. In the NFL, he's a middle-of-the-road, solid QB. Correct. He's not great. He's not bad. He's he's solid. To, he's solid to good, right? Like, I'm not talking about my personal feelings. I'm talking about the, what the numbers say. Correct. No, you're right. You're, it's spot on. Numbers, and I, I, I think everybody... The numbers say he's he's all right. He's, he's, he's better than okay. Like, he's pretty good. He's yeah, pretty good. He's pretty good. I think, he's he's pretty, I think he would probably tell you that. Like, sure. that's the thing. I think he would probably tell you that. My thing is, the thing that I can't couldn't wrap my mind around because everybody fans are fans and they look for things and most of the time they're wrong. And I'm, I'm fall into that category sometimes too. It was never about the actions or whatever. The thing that I couldn't understand is it makes no sense to me that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback when Odell Beckham is not on the field. And so is it just the sample size is big enough. Like, I fought yeah. that. I fought that for a long time. I fought it for a long time because I wanted so badly Odell Beckham to work here uh, that I fought it. But like, so is it when you watched it, did you feel like Baker felt pressure to just be getting not from Odell, not from Odell, but just the inherent pressure of, of getting the ball to Odell? Cause he was the most targeted receiver on the, on the team. Uh, Cause it just feels like Baker. It feels like Baker just plays looser. Like he can just throw to whoever he sees out there. I'll say this, and because you're not everything you're saying is right. The numbers, the sample size suggests that his numbers are better with Odell off the field. So what I'll also say is 
That's not Odell's fault. No, no. And I don't. That's not where that comes from. You know that. I know that. But so many people out there are like, he must be a cancer then. If no. The say this. No, man. Sometimes having a guy with that kind of clout in this league, that kind of reputation and cachet, you feel like as the quarterback, well, crap, I got to get this dude the ball. Otherwise, I'm going to hear his mouth. Even if you haven't heard his mouth, even if he's not complaining, you're, 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 you're seeing it through a lens of, I know who that guy is. I and everyone else is expecting me to, to feature him. If I'm not, I'm screwing up. So now let me force a ball over there and get an incompletion or get it picked off. Or let me do is like the pressure goes down when when Odell's off the field for him and he just finds the open receiver. So I guess the question is, why can't you play like that when he's on the field? Just find That's, the open man. Right. And if it's Odell, if it's it's Odell. And if 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 that means And if Odell has a game where he only gets two targets and Juice gets, you know, six and Austin Hooper gets five, ten, right. right. Win, then it's a win. That right. was how it was supposed yeah. to be. That's how you it was. I mean, That's that's why it's so frustrating because yeah. because Odell is a top tier level talent. And uh, and I think, you know, by the end, was he playing like it for some of the games? And eh, not really. But like he was this was supposed to be special. He was on the team with his best friend in the entire world. And yeah. they were brothers and it was supposed to be special. And it's very frustrating that it just wasn't special. And, and it you was know, very unceremonious. Think- Goodbye. Sometimes things look amazing on paper. I know. And, and then you you mix all the elements and you go, you know, it's like you, you you would think if you just took some pineapple juice or no, you took some orange <laughs> juice and added it to to, you know, uh, a, a bourbon with something else. It might taste good because you like oranges and, and you like bourbon and then you taste the drink. <laughs> and you're like, no, nah, that doesn't taste that good. Wow. Yeah. That, that, I thought that tastes better. You know, it's I like, love it. You know, People like mimosas, but reality of it is mimosas are best with pineapple juice, not orange juice. Like orange juice is a grosser juice. If you put pineapple juice in a mimosa, it's it's amazing. Like, why would you do it any different? Excuse me. Sorry. That no, we're gonna have to. I, I did not know this. You're teaching me something. What? Dude, every bar I go to for brunch across the city of Columbus, they know when I walk in, if I ask for mimosa, they're like, You want the pineapples, right? And then and, and then they always go, I tried that. Why haven't we all been doing this for years? And I was like, Because you guys. Are, are all about tradition and you're not about, uh, you know, evolving. Okay. You got to evolve the pineapple. The evolution of the mimosa. Who still does orange juice on a mimosa? You just we became my wife's pineapple. favorite guest that we will ever have on this show. You just became my wife's. All right, real quick before no. I let you go, little NBA, little NBA. Uh, we're all about the Cavaliers and what a start they've had to the season. Uh, uh, have you paid any attention to the Cavaliers at all? And they've been having some success. I know Colin Sexton uh, has a meniscus now. It's a bummer. But Evan Mobley, bummer because you guys were were rocking and rolling uh, and had having some and had, it looked like a, having a fun young team. Evan Mobley, number three yeah. pick in the draft, dudes out here averaging like eighteen points and almost ten rebounds. Guy has been every bit of what you would want out of a player, right? Hell yeah! And then they gave a hundred million dollar contract to Jared Allen, <laughs> and a lot of people around the league went like Jared Allen's a good player, right? Yeah. Like Jared He's Allen's a good Jared Allen's a good center, but you just gave a hundred million dollars to a guy that maybe wouldn't be on a lot of people's lists. And what did Jared Allen? What's he responded with? The dude is is like twenty three points and sixteen rebounds every game, which is and crazy, right? Just insane. Uh, 
So it's been a crazy year. Uh, what are what 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 surprised you so far in this NBA season? Has it been the Bulls and their hot start? Has it been uh, uh, actually the Washington Wizards were the Wizards and in their hot start? I don't think they can sustain it. Um, but it has been surprising, and I and and I like uh, you know Kyle Kuzma all of a sudden kind of like came out of his shell a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, talking Monty. shit about Cleveland, right? He he was talking a little bit. Hey, that's all right. Started it. It's all fair. That's, that's fair. It's fair. Uh, I'll tell you what hasn't surprised me, but has surprised a lot of people. People always think if you just get some big names together, things will go great. Uh, I never liked the idea of Russell Westbrook in the starting lineup next to LeBron James. It doesn't make sense. It didn't make any look up any championship team LeBron's been on. You surround LeBron with shooting. You don't surround yes. LeBron with a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands. 90% of the time and can't shoot. That's Russell Westbrook. Right. And, then, and I like Russell Westbrook's mentality. I like his energy. Uh, he plays good defense. The dude, uh, the dude brings a competitiveness. I, I'm, this is not a, I'm not trying to attack Russell Westbrook. No. This particular chemistry mix, I'm like, dude. I wanted them to go after Bradley Beal, the Lakers. I wanted the Lakers to go after Kyle Lowry. They came very close to getting Kyle Lowry, but they just couldn't get some things worked out. I wanted them to go after, you know, a young point guard that 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 could that that you know that was a decent perimeter shooter and played and played, you know, perimeter defense. Because all let LeBron orchestrate. That's his deal, right? I understand right. why they I understand conceptually why they thought will help. LeBron's not going to play 82 games. We know that. Like, we're going to rest him in the regular season, probably like 30% of it, right? Correct. On those nights, Russ can be Russ. And when LeBron is off the floor and Russ is, like, rocking and rolling, it, it looks pretty decent. But it's still not what it should be. Thank God for Carmelo Anthony, who, right. like, like, Ponce de Leon came out of the fountain of <laughs> and has just been, like, crushing it from three but that's the, that's been the dream that the fact that it took this long to get Carmelo and LeBron right. on a team in this league. Now those two can play together. Perfect. They're a perfect pair. Do perfect. Why? Melo knows exactly what he wants to do when the ball touches his hands. That's it. And LeBron knows where his spots are. LeBron's like, I know where my boy Melo likes the ball. Yes. And, I'm, and he's brilliant at creating a double team and then dropping it over to Melo. And Melo in the in the in the, in the mid post just can catch either release or catch, go over his shoulder, pump fake, and then release. And it's a, and he's got one of the prettiest jumpers in the world. Uh, Carmelo Anthony's jump shot is like Ken Griffey's baseball swing. Like yes. It's just, it's just beautiful to watch. Perfect. Like it's a beautiful stroke. So Melo also knows how to spot up in the corner, and LeBron's always going to drive to the basket and look in both corners for who his shooters are. That's a great pairing. You can't kick it to 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 rust in the corner like <laughs> I mean he, the hell out of that. he might hit the side of the it. backboard <laughs> yeah or he'll catch it and like sprint in for a dunk and get a charge and LeBron will be looking at him going dude either shoot or find another shooter swing the ball but I never like that hearing so that's going to be a struggle it's a thing that I think very unfairly front offices in Cleveland here used to get mashed for was you had LeBron and then you surrounded him with guys like Kyle Korver and and you know like uh, uh, our buddy on the podcast here, Channing Fry, and and oh, yeah. yeah, like we, but but then LeBron would Kevin leave. Love. Kevin Love, but then LeBron would leave, 
And then you'd be left with this assortment of guys that can shoot the hell out of the ball, but can't get a shot because LeBron was the guy yeah. getting them the shots. You'd also be left with the championship and, and a banner in the Raptors. That's right. So that's why I always hated it when they, they'd be like, yeah, but look who they look how bad they were when he left. And I'm like, that's because they built the team for him. Russell Westbrook, you, Russell Westbrook needs that. He, yes, he, yes. why was he so good in Oklahoma city? And why were his teams, even when Katie left, why were his teams competitive? Because you surrounded him with guys that could play with him. He could control the tempo and the ball and he can't do that with LeBron. So here's, here's what I think LeBron might be thinking. And if you look at uh, LeBron's shot selection, when he's been playing lately, I think LeBron's thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm getting to that point in my career where I'm okay letting someone else bring the ball down the court, expend all the energy coming off of screens. And you got to remember LeBron's three-point percentage the last four years is way up. Like the way dude's up. turning into a, to a pretty reliable, wide-open three-point shooter maker. Like, right? Like, if he's wide open for three, you kind of now are sort of expected to go down. Yeah. And it, it's been going down pretty damn well. So he's probably thinking, you know what? Why don't I let Russ and AD get some chemistry? I'll kind of chill for a minute. And once they get their chemistry going, and I'll, I'll kind of play the perimeter and just hang out, knock down a couple shots, let Russ you know, get his assist, let him get his confidence going. When the playoffs start, we know the court shrinks. And that's when you know they're they're the Lakers' length, their size with AD, DeAndre, LeBron. You get a lot of length, even Carmelo, a lot of length and size. That's going to be a problem for teams in the playoffs. It, it was in the bubble. Teams looked yeah, oh, yeah. against the Lakers in the, in the regular season, and the bubble started, and they struggled getting any points against them because their length and they haven't been playing great defense right now. But they always tighten that up towards like like right after Christmas, they start tightening up that defense. And so I'm not gonna. I need a bigger sample size before I just call it a disaster, but I tell you, I didn't like the fit from the start. Uh, and That's what we said, too. That's I what we said. When like On the flip side, the Warriors look amazing. Well, like, that's so they're, they're the other weird, like, it's, yeah. I, I it's like we act like, it's like we act like they were just not going to be good anymore. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? Right. Did they lose. And I'm I wasn't Katie, thinking about Katie. it, but like three, three months ago, I was like, "Yeah, Golden State's going to be whatever this year." And then I thought <laughs> more about it, and I was like, "Hold on, you know, they're you know they've got the greatest shooter of all time, obviously. Andrew Wiggins plays pretty damn good defense. He's athletic. Uh, Gary Payton's son plays amazing defense. He's like the glove part two. That's right. And super athletic, and 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 then you, you you've got two other guys who who can flat out score. Draymond still Draymond. Right. You know, he doesn't need the best. He, he doesn't need to shoot. He doesn't need any shots. All he wants to do is, is orchestrate, make sure he gets guys looks, set screens, and he loves his role. He's a star in it. You brought back Iguodala. And when Wiseman and Clay come back sometime around wow. Christmas, this team is going to be scary, man. Well, they like, still got yeah. they still have the core players that won 73 games. Like Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I know people are acting like they're just not any good anymore. I'm like, what are you guys like, talking about? I guess it was just surprising because you forget, like you said, they well, still have their nucleus. KD left a KD left a little wake. KD left a little Yeah, but they and were then, and then Clay, KD. Well, yeah, and then he came and then he left, and there was a little wake to that. And Clay hasn't been able to stay healthy for two years, and he's yeah. uh, the most 
I, I hate saying nice things about the Warriors, but maybe right. one of the most underrated players in the league is Clay. Uh, especially now that he's been hurt, people just kind of forget how good he is. Uh, he's got to uh, remind him. Well, yeah, he sure is. Wait till he gets his legs under him like March. Good luck. But yeah, anyways, it's been fun. It's been fun watching the NBA. Uh, Jay, my last question, it's a simple one for you. Uh, yeah. Back to the Ohio State Buckeyes. When, when it all is said and done, are they in that final four at the end of the year? This should be an easy answer, but it's not because they've been scaring us so much this season. <laughs> Um, I I never thought this was their year, even preseason. I thought next year, this team is full of freshmen and sophomores, right? Exactly. I mean, at all the major positions, full of freshmen and sophomores. I'm 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 really looking at next year as like the year they go crazy, and they should, uh, because you're gonna have a sophomore season veteran now, and CJ Stroud. <laughs> you're gonna have Travion Henderson, who is a Amazing monster. Amazing. Like just see, some things. I mean, sometimes our best option is to give it to him, get out of his way. He'll figure something out. You're going to have Garrett Wilson as a third year, just, you know, stud. And then you got some other youngsters who are going to be like emerging. O-line should be still intact, uh, except for two positions. So I didn't think it was going to be this year. I just preface by saying that. However, with how the season is now playing out, uh, and as I look at what we have down the road, we shouldn't lose another game in the regular <laughs> season, if we're being honest with ourselves. Like, we should not lose to either of the Michigans, and obviously not Purdue we shouldn't lose to, but we shouldn't lose to either of the Michigans. And who in the Big Ten West? Nobody. Right? Like, who nobody. in the Big Ten West? There's nobody even be? over there. Nobody. And I know that saying that makes me nervous to even say it out loud because it's like, yeah, but, you, you know. Any given Saturday, somebody can make us, you know, kind of, you know, or we can have an injury. But barring a catastrophic injury uh, or us just fucking bullshitting around in a big game, which I don't see this team doing, especially yeah. after all the criticism that they're, they're, they're taking after, like, close wins. I think Ohio State wins out, and, the, and even if Oregon wins out, I think people are going to be pissed about this. But I think they're going to give Ohio State the nod if they win Let's out. go. I think they will. I think we all know what this always comes down to. And, and, and ratings and money. Ratings, money, watchability. People would rather see Ohio State, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, than they would OU, Georgia, or, or Oregon, yeah. Cincinnati, Alabama. Agreed. Right. You know, I'm just being honest. Like, it's just, and you couldn't, you wouldn't feel bad about it because they would deserve it. Big 10 champion. Beat everybody except for one loss in that schedule that happened super early. Mm-hmm. Emma had a loss too, so we can't mean there's no reason they shouldn't be. But uh, I just get this sinking. I don't want to say it, man. I get this sinking feeling <laughs> like we've got something like one upset coming. Like we, like we, we have a second loss coming. I hope not. I hope I'm so wrong about this, and I really hope it's not Harbaugh. It can't. That I, can't be it. It can't be it. Right, you would, and that's the problem. It'd be the one that you would think can't be it is the one that, like, because for him, well, it's the most like. I mean, for sure, probably the most likely on the schedule right now is that Michigan. He's never team. beat Ohio State. I know, but they're playing pretty well, and he's never be like sucks. His job, his not even just job. He's got tons of money. He doesn't care about the, you know, 
his livelihood as a coach, as a his reputation, his legacy can't be that you went zero and seven against. So, I mean, <laughs> like they're gonna they're gonna pull out all the stops, and I just hope we're ready for it. Like they're gonna go. You're gonna see the hardest fought Michigan team you've ever seen this year because he they're gonna play this thing like like his whole career and legacy's on it, and it is. Well, good. Hopefully, Ohio State can end that. Anyways, Jay, dude, it has been awesome talking some uh, some Marvel, uh, some superheroes yeah. with you, some college football, some NFL basketball. Awesome. We always love having you on. This was uh, My man. Uh, second time. We really appreciate you coming on. And if you want to catch Jay and you're in the Columbus area, ABC down there, Jay gets on to talk about the Buckeyes. So make sure you catch him. And, and uh, you know, we don't spoil things here, but just uh, look out for Jay Richardson's name with some big projects that may be coming out uh, that will be very public and 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 all that. So, Keep an eye out. Jay's got some big things going on, and he still takes time to come join us on the Garage Beers podcast. And once again, our huge thanks goes out to Jay Richardson. Go find him on Twitter at JayRichardson99. The dude is active on there, and he is entertaining as all get out. Again, a uh, an NFL veteran, an Ohio State Buckeye, and a TV broadcaster and analyst right now. Jay Richardson, thank you again for joining us on the show, uh, and that was great. Uh, Talking, I love talking football. I, I could talk anything with Jay Richardson. That guy's, he's just a dude. He's just a good dude, and we love having him on. Uh, so we hinted at it at the end of the interview with Jay Richardson. We started getting into just some of the stuff that's been going on with the Browns. But, Chad, again, uh, we haven't really talked a lot about the Browns, and what a weekend it was for the Cleveland <laughs> yeah. Browns last weekend amidst the turmoil and the bullshit uh, right. and, and I got to eat some crow on it. But amidst all the turmoil and the bullshit, the Browns hosted uh, or I'm sorry, went. They didn't host anybody. They went down to Cincinnati. Against a vastly improved Cincinnati Bengals team with weapons out the wazoo and a team that just has been playing good football all season long. And the Browns lit them up. The Browns absolutely lit up the Cincinnati Bengals. They lit them up on the ground. They lit up and lit them up in the air. The Browns scored 41 points on 45 offensive snaps. Yeah. They uh-huh. were spec the Browns. Uh-huh. That was, that was the game we've been waiting for. That was the game we've been waiting for. It wasn't a struggle. It wasn't, Oh, we were lucky for this, or we needed to squeak this out. It was just everything. The Browns were doing what it was working. And it was it was a thing of beauty to watch. It was it threw us back to the back half of last year. Yeah, this was I mean, this was a put up or shut up game. I mean, really, this was this was a game in my eyes that was going to make or break this season because how they responded to that turmoil and that drama uh, was was going to be a, a telltale sign for me as to how the rest of this season was going to go. And they responded beautifully. I mean, and it all started with obviously that pick six. I mean, it got the momentum going, and the Browns never lost it. Uh, Denzel Ward, uh, way to not injure yourself. By, by the way, your hammies were really good on that on that ninety nine yard interception return for a touchdown. Uh, oh. you, you know, and and then the defense just you know they took over from there. You know, the Bengals scored on the ensuing possession, but uh, you, you know after that, it was just it was. It was such a dominant performance. I mean, there's so many people to call out. Nick Chubb was Nick Chubb again. Baker Mayfield was ooh, uh, ooh, ooh. as comfortable as he has been all season in ooh. that offense. 
Uh, Greg Newsom. My hey. God. My Greg hand's up. Newsom. I'm not done yet. No, my hand uh, is up. Mike, go, my Mike, hand is Mike, up. go ahead. My hand is up. I want to I want to call on our buddy. I want to call on our buddy Troy Hill. What a game. Yeah. What yeah. a game Troy Hill had. He was yeah. spectacular in that game. Yeah. Troy Hill made some, such an impact on that game. I know. And let me tell you something, man. Like uh, people were complaining. I mean, myself included, we're complaining about this defense at the beginning of the year. And yet we realized that, you know, we knew it. It needed to take time. It needed time to come together. But these guys are fully healthy now. And we saw exactly uh, the kind of game that we wanted to see out of this defense on Sunday. It, they are fully healthy. Uh, they, it looks like their 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 communication has improved. Uh, it, it, they're they're they got turnovers <laughs> for the first time. I, I'm not sure if we had many all year, if any. Uh, we were one of the worst in the league. Just, just sacks galore. I mean, it was. It was the most, like I, I tweeted it out, that was the most complete game the Browns have played all season and is what we've been waiting for, and it was just awesome, dude. Dude, you know what? It was, uh, a lot of people have talked, it's the Joe Woods talk. It's the Joe Woods talk. Every, a lot of people have talked about it, and you and I have talked about that we don't love the schemes that consistently the Browns have been in. I think the best way that I can put it is, it. I don't love that there hasn't been more spice to the defense, right? It's been those sure. kind of consistently soft zones and those can be effective in certain parts of the game and at certain points of the field and all that stuff. It's hard when you get into certain situations, second and short, third and short to be running those soft zones because they're easy to beat, uh, yeah. In a short yardage situation, you just fling the ball out to a receiver and it's wide open and boom, you're done. Like the first down. Good. Uh, right. What Joe Woods called up in that game, if we're going to give him shit for being very vanilla at certain points of this year, then let's give him credit for the spectacular game that he called against the Bengals because sure, the Browns went into that zone sometimes, but they they mixed it up with a killer man defense at points. Yeah. There were points the the turnovers and, uh, and, and even a lot of the sacks that the Browns generated, they went into that like press man defense and the guys were just spectacular. The, the amount of time that in a man defense, you had guys that were like one-on-one -on -one with Jamar chase, Greg Newsom. How many times did you see Greg Newsom two or three times? running down the field with Jamar Chase and making a play to break up a pass. The 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 turnover, the Denzel Ward touchdown, they moved into a in a into a short yardage goal line situation, press man defense, and Denzel Ward did what he does. He made a play. And then when they mm -hmm. went back into the zone, it confused Joe Burrow. That's how that defense is supposed to look. When right. you're just gonna run the zone you're going to get picked apart because the defense the, or the quarterback can just kind of sit back and right. the quarterback can just kind of sit back and say, I know what they're running at me. So now I know the, the spots on the field. I need to throw the ball. And the yeah. Browns so effectively moved. They switched in and out of that zone into a man into the zone, into a man. It, Joe right. Burrow was totally thrown off by everything they were doing. That was, I, here's where I was a little nervous, Chad. Mm-hmm. They run that first drive, what, like 20 plays all yeah. the way uh -huh. down the field. 
Burrow throws the pick six, which was awesome. Then they get the ball back and run like another 20 plays or something like, or, or, or right. It was like, it was like 12 <laughs> plays and 10 plays or something like that. Yeah. So they had run like more than 20 plays by the time the Browns offense had even had the ball. Yeah. So the thing yeah. I'm sitting there watching the game at first and I'm like, Oh shit. Like that pick six was sweet, but I always, I always attribute things to that. Remember the Ohio state Ted Ginn against Florida. He returns the opening touch or kickoff for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. And then Florida uh-huh. smokes the shit out of Ohio state the rest of that game. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, please tell me this is going to be one of those. And after that second drive, everything was hard for Cincinnati. It was beautiful. Everything. Yeah. Everything was really hard. And I, you know, I, I tell you what, you know, it, it, it's in that type of situation, no matter what, <clears throat> no matter what, uh, uh, you know, how many plays that they run, you know, you, you talk, sorry, let me restart. Uh, you know, you talked about the long drives. You, you almost expected Cincinnati to have another drive like that and come down and, and score. You almost had to expect a touchdown because, yeah, you know, it, it, that's great that Denzel got the pick six, but, you know, that defense was coming right back out on that field and and enduring another long right. drive. So I almost, right. I, almost ex, I almost expected a touchdown uh, for Cincinnati after that. But, yeah, you're right. After that, it was just – it was all Browns. And, you know, you talked about the man defense, man, and we – we were clamoring for that. You know, we talked about how much talent that this defensive backfield has all season. And we just wanted to see Denzel and Greg just man up because that, that's, that's their bread and butter. That's where they succeed. That's where they thrive. And look what happened. You had Greg Newsom breaking up passes to one of the hottest receivers, albeit a rookie, but one of the hottest receivers in the NFL and Jamar Chase. Yes. And Denzel and Denzel Ward graded out as, as one of the best. <laughs> in week nine and man. Yes. So uh, yeah, I love the fact that he was, he switched up defenses. He switched up coverages and he disguised things uh, to confuse Joe Burrow like that, because look what happened when you went into man. And I just hope, I just hope that that uh, becomes more of a pattern, especially when you go against more competitive quarterbacks, like uh, competitive teams, more of the elite quarterbacks. Like if, I feel like if Joe would have ran something like that against the Chiefs, I feel like we might have had more success. Be, you know, because it, it seemed like Joe was because he did it against him and he did it against. Um, oh God, who am I thinking? Of? Who is who is the other quarterback that he ran a soft zone against? Justin Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Yeah, yep. Justin Herbert. Some of the better quarterbacks. So I. Right. I, I, I really, yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen that more against it, It's almost like he plays and he coaches scared against the more competitive quarterbacks. So that's, I don't know that's if it's, I, I don't know if it's a thing forward. like, I don't know if it's a thing where maybe they're just getting better. Like I, here's the thing, right? I, I don't, I, I have to step back and be like, these guys are smarter than me, right? Yeah. They sure. know more than I do about what's going on out there. I can't, sit here and say, I know what they should be doing. So even though I feel like I want them to be doing certain things, I have to say they're smarter. So I'm also wondering if it's just, they're getting better at the zone defense too. Like I feel like they're getting better at the zone and they're switching in and out more effectively. Like the, the defense I think is just improving. And I think, again, I think we just, we do this thing where, you know, I think we all come in, especially you and I and like the, the, and Joey and we come into the season all kind of level headed 
And then we get through like three or four weeks and things aren't perfect. And we're like, what the fuck is going on here? And we start to get worked up about why things aren't working or why certain calls are being made. But the fact is we're halfway through the year. We're halfway through the year. And now I, and now I think the defense has looked better in more weeks this season than they've not. And, and now they've done it against the defense looked good against uh, the, the Steelers. The offense couldn't do shit, but the defense looked good against the Steelers. They had their moments, but whatever, every team will, they come out against, a, a Bengals team that was just lighting everybody up. Uh, and they absolutely dominated that game. When you want to know how dominant the Browns defense were, was against the Bengals. You want to know how dominant they were. The Bengals ran like twice as many offensive plays as the Browns and the Browns blew them out. That's well, how good the defense uh, was. And just remember, these were two teams that were, that were coming in with, a huge chip on their shoulder and, and, and a lot of motivation because, you know, you, you had the Browns with all the drama uh, leading up to this week, but you also had Cincinnati coming off a terrible loss to the Jets. And, and right. so this was a Cincinnati team that was, 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 was definitely looking uh, to prove something again. And, and the Browns just, just sucked that momentum right out of them uh, as soon as they made it 14 to seven. Yeah, it was, you know what you saw, you just saw, all right, so here's where I'm going to eat some crow because we we talked about it a little bit. The 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 drama of the week, right? The Odell Beckham stuff. It it doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense to me. I'm not I'm not here to badmouth Odell Beckham. Obviously, there was more going on than what was let on. This wasn't just like a, hey, all of a sudden we're going to get rid of Odell Beckham, right? There was more going on there, and the wording of the Browns press release when they released Odell Beckham said it all to me. It was very stern. It wasn't like, it wasn't like this kind of happy, like, Hey, listen, this didn't work out. It is what it is. It was very, I, I don't know if you read the press release, Chad, but it was like, it's very clear that this isn't working with Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is not a part of this franchise. We don't like, it was very like, it was stern. It was like Odell Beckham pissed some people off. Uh, and, and, and again, it doesn't make sense to me why it didn't work here because talent-wise, Odell Beckham is a very talented wide receiver. I loved having him on the Browns. I wish he was still on the Browns. I wish it would have worked out. That whole situation was supposed to be special, and it wasn't. It wasn't special. Yeah. It didn't work out. It was one good game, six bad games. One good game six games of Odell having one catch. Like, I don't know why it didn't work out, but it didn't. And it didn't fit. And all of a sudden, he's gone. And I think the sample size is big enough. I don't know why they're better without him, but they're better without him. I don't know why, but they are. Yeah, you know, if you looked at a Dan Orlovsky, uh, like, you know, his... um, I loved his point. He's I love that. yeah, that's that's where it, yeah that's where it made more sense for me when he said the Browns attack defenses with scheme and not people. Like it doesn't make it doesn't it doesn't uh, matter uh, whether you have a star player. It, it, what matters is the personnel that you you know the personnel. And if you you attack you attack the defense with scheme, you know. And going back to OBJ for just a second, when I found out that 
he asked for a trade after he got hurt in the Cincinnati game last year. Yeah. That, that all just kind of. Yep. Made me go. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, you know, everybody wanted to say he wasn't a diva, but obviously this was some sort of ticking time bomb because you mean to tell me you watched this team, your team that you, you were on make the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. And you see them get within, uh, I don't know what, uh, a Chad Henney third and fifteen run no, or whatever of going to the AFC championship game, and then you ask for a trade. Like what the fuck? What the fuck? Or then you or then you see that clip of him talking to Chubb, and he goes, "I want to score a touchdown," and Chubb goes, "I man, I just want to win." Like that, like but to yeah. me, that like tells you that tells you what you need to know see, about Odell. Like I, I, but 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 to your point, it's it's confusing as to why it didn't work because all you ever heard. All you ever heard, reporters, teammates, everybody say, like, whatever he did wrong, whatever he did wrong, whoever he pissed off was kept so in-house over these last three years that nobody knew a thing. Because all you ever heard from any teammates, any front office, any reporters who talked to sources in a building saying he was a joy to be around, saying he was a joy to be around. So it's it's so confusing. I think he was for a lot. Like, I I think it's. You know, I think it's not just black and white. I don't think it's just cut and dry. I think he was a joy to be around for a lot of time. I think he worked hard for a lot of time. He was a good teammate for a lot of time. I think he always, he consistently in Cleveland said the right thing. He consistently said the right thing. He said in the media, you, a lot of people are bringing up that clip of him and Chubb. Man, that's a wide receiver mentality. And I think if you mic'd up a ton of wide receivers, they would all be like, man, I want to get in the end zone. That's a wide receiver mentality. It's fine. But, and Chubb's a different kind of guy anyways, because I think if you mic'd up a ton of running backs, it would be like, I'm trying to get a touchdown. Chubb's different. He, he He's, Chubb's just Chubb. He just is special. But like, remember that, remember all the times that they were asking Odell Beckham, like about his touches and about, why he wasn't getting the ball more about him. And he consistently was like, listen, it's not about the touches for me. I'm just trying to win in the media. He was saying the right thing. What, what to me, this shows the firm grasp that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have on the team. Kevin Stefanski sat the team down when, before this whole drama, right when it was starting and, 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 and when they dismissed him from practice the first week and he sat the team down and said, Odell Beckham's no longer with this team. Like until further notice, this guy's not with us anymore. And it, 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 it felt like they grabbed control of the situation right away. It felt like they did the right thing. Uh, again, it pisses me off because you thought that the friendship of Odell and Jarvis was just going to be enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. You felt like that was just going to be enough for it to be like, Odell's going to love it here because he's with Jarvis. And then, and then they're winning and they're making plays and it just didn't work. And it doesn't make fucking sense, but sometimes things don't make sense. And you know what? In the end, Chad, because you know, I know we've already (laughs) talked about this, but in the end, they come out, and, and, and I think Dan Orlovsky's point is, is super astute, and I think it's right. When Odell Beckham was on the team, Baker felt like he had to be the number one read, 
every time. So even though he didn't, he did throw to him a lot. He, he was the number one target on this team for people that were like, why didn't they throw to him more? He was the number one targeted receiver on this team this year. But I feel like when he was out there, Baker felt like he had to be the number one option. And so it was like, look at Odell first and then figure out what's going on beyond that. When Odell is not out there, Baker reads the defense. He looks at his offense and he decides who's going to be his number one receiver based on what he's looking at. And the offense is better that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, and we're probably never going to find out what the whole story that's okay. was, but that's I mean, okay. but, and and that's, yeah. And that's okay. But you know, that's okay. clearly, clearly this, he was just a ticking time bomb because, you know, for three years, not really a peep. And then all of a sudden this just pops up, but you know, uh, but I'm almost but, happier. I'm almost happier. I don't want to know what happened. I don't want to know what happened. I like, oh, no, sure. I liked having Odell. I, th- I, I, I thought he was a good guy as a Brown. I liked having him on the team. I don't want to know all the bullshit. Let's just, you know what? He's gone. No, no. It didn't work out. We move on. Right? No, no. Yeah, I agree. And it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's going to be fun to watch good days are ahead. I don't know. Which after like a, a ninety billion players tested positive for COVID this week, we're going to find out. What, well, we're going to find out what they did against. We're going to do against the Patriots. So let's talk about this week a little bit. There's good news and bad news. Let's start with the good news, though, Chad. Let's start with good news because there's been a shit ton of news around the Browns this week as we go into this Patriots game. Let's talk news, about the news, good news, news, Chad. News, 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 Chad, news, Chad, news, Chad, news, news, Chad, news, Chad, news, Chad, news, Chad, news, Chad, news, Chad, Chad, Chad. Wyatt Teller and Joel Batoni are going to be Browns for a long time. Yeah, baby. Listen, I, 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 they are building this team a certain way. And it may be a little bit unconventional, right? It may be a little unconventional because in conventional, modern NFL, teams are given huge contracts to guards. And the Browns just gave two big contracts to guards. Yeah. Teams aren't giving those second contracts or those third contracts to running backs. The Browns extended Nick Chubb. In the meantime, the Browns haven't extended Baker yet. They haven't extended Denzel Ward yet. There's players on this team they haven't extended. But, like, I, here's what I think is going on. The Browns have such a clear identity. Here, here's, here's what I truly believe. I truly believe Joel Batonio is... I truly believe Joel Batonio is like the, the, the really true leader of the team, right? Yeah. I think, I think everybody's looking for like a quarterback to be the leader of the team or a linebacker or whatever. I think Joel Batonio, Joel Batonio is that guy in the locker room. That's been through everything with this team. He's been around through all of it. And I think the guys in that locker room truly look up to Joel Batonio so I think it was very important for Andrew Barry and the staff to get Joel Batonio locked up because this is the guy that I think keeps everybody focused. I think Joel Batonio is the guy truly in that locker room that keeps everybody focused. And then there's Wyatt Teller. I don't think there's a guard in the game that defines what his team is trying to do better than Wyatt Teller. I think it was... Those two guys getting them locked into a contract 
Joel Batonio for the, the guidance and the focus and the leadership he provides. And then Wyatt Teller for if, if the team could just build themselves around the, the mindset of Wyatt Teller and the way he plays, that's what they want to do. Sure. It's, there aren't many teams out there that they're two guards, their right guard and their left guard define what the team wants to do like the Browns. Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio are incredibly important for this team, and they just locked them up this week. Yeah, and it's uh, the, the style of football that the Browns want to play is, is is basically counteracting the speed game that is the NFL today. They right. want to beat you up up front. They want to run, uh, and they and they want to hit you over the top with play action passing. And uh, yeah, and and that's exactly how they're trying to build this team. And I and, and I love the fact that they signed these two guys who are just road graders in the running game, and they're pretty good in the passing game too. Uh, so yeah, it's it's hell of a day for the Browns when they signed both of those two to extensions. And uh, my God, so I, I can't wait for four more years of pancakes, Mike. I, I've never, I don't, I can't remember a time where I've ever seen a team where the, the interior linemen meant more to the team than they do to the Browns. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember a time, you know, and, and you've, you've watched teams where there's been like a really good guard and they like, they try to move them to tackle. The Browns have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Because in modern NFL football, the tackle is the important spot. And then you find guards that the interior line for the Browns, not to say that Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin aren't important, but it almost feels like the Browns are saying, listen, we'll find tackle. If we need to find tackles, we'll find tackles. But like this line is nothing without Wyatt Teller. This line is nothing without Joel Batonio. Right. We need those guys anchoring right. this line from the inside and we'll get the other guys to go with it. Not to say that anything's going to happen to Jedrick or Jack Conklin, uh, unless Jack can't stay healthy, which has been a little bit of an issue. But uh, I don't know. I, I just thought it was such a cool week to get those announcements for, for both of those guys in the same week. And, you know, Teller's that guy when they made that announcement. And I know you were the same way, Chad, because I know how much you love Wyatt Teller. God, I love that, that dude. That was the... That was like the excitement, like, let's fucking go, Wyatt Teller, let's do this. And then and then to announce Batonio, and I, I looked at that Batonio announcement, and I was like, nobody will talk about how important this is. Nobody right. will talk about how right. important Joel Batonio is. Joel Batonio is one of those guys that's important to the defense. He's important to everybody on that team. And yeah. to get him locked back in, I love it. I just, I love what they did. Yeah, same here. I, I have nothing further to add on that. So the Browns have locked up some linemen. They, you know, obviously they locked up Nick Chubb before the season. They've done some other uh, contract extensions. So all that is exciting. And now that leads us into, uh, before we get off the football topic, that leads us into the New England Patriots and the other news of the week as we get ready to go into the Patriots game. Um, the Browns have no idea who's going to be the running back. For that <laughs> yeah. Well, Dearness Johnson is definitely in. Hopefully. Well, you know, <laughs> let's not say definitely. As as, we never know what's going to happen. Yeah. As long as he stays COVID negative. <laughs> but the, the, Nick Chubb, uh, uh, Demetric Felton, both COVID positive. Kareem Hunt, not ready to come back yet. Uh, even though he's ready to come off the IR, he's not ready to come back yet. So Kareem hunts out of that game. We don't know what's going to happen with Chubb 
or with Demetric Felton, if maybe they can get into the game because that's a possibility. Uh, and then the other guy, what's uh, what's the uh, what's the practice squad guy, Kelly, John Kelly. Yeah, yeah, that was so good in the preseason. He is also out on on the COVID list. Uh, yeah, which I don't know if you remember, but they were posting videos of all the running backs out to dinner uh, several or maybe two weeks ago. All the running backs went out to like a running back dinner. It was like the rookie thing for Demetric Felton. He had to yeah. take the running backs out to dinner. <laughs> well. All of the running backs got COVID. Fucking Oops. all of them. Fucking Oops. all. Was Dearness John- Johnson not there then? Like he was. He was taking video. <laughs> Luckily, Dearness didn't test positive. Now, again, there's a chance Chubb and/or Felton uh, are deemed uh, uh, negative by the game on uh, Sunday. But yeah. oh shit! Like, how important is this, Chad? As we go into this Patriots game, how important is it? Uh, if I didn't watch Dearness Johnson run all over the place over the Denver Broncos, uh, I would feel a little bit more nervous about this game, uh, about well, about that area of the game. But you know, given the fact that you, you know you saw Dearness's ability uh, in the run game in that Denver game, and you know this this Patriots defense, it's a little better than the Broncos, but it's not much better. So I, as long as Dearness is not uh, does not come up COVID positive, uh, you know I, I feel fine. I feel fine about the running game. Yeah. Who, uh, am I worried about who's going to spell him? So, so he's not getting the ball, you know, 25, 35 times for the game. Yeah. You know, I'm worried about that portion, but who you know, is going to spell as him? Dexter Williams was signed to the practice squad today, uh, along with Herb Miller, good old Herbie Miller. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Herb Miller. Is that my Herb. neighbor? Yeah. My neighbor? Oh, you know, Herb Miller, he's 57 years old. He talks to me <laughs> yeah. over the fence. Yeah, yeah. You ever heard of old man Herb down there, two houses down? Man, the dude's crazy. Sign to the practice squad. <laughs> yeah, dude. I I don't know. It's it's. So let's talk about it in terms of this Patriots game, because because here come the Browns into Foxborough. The Browns just won an incredible road game in Cincinnati. They go into Foxborough. The stat that I love: the New England Patriots five and four on the season. Four and zero on the road, one and four at home. So yeah, uh, I guess it's not bad to be going into Foxborough because they've yeah. gotten eaten alive in some games in Foxborough yeah. uh, this season. Uh, yeah. But Mac Jones is one and zero at twisting ankles. Oh, dude, that was dirty. <laughs> that was dirty. That was really, I, I, that was really I agree. dirty. I agree with people that were like, "That's a dirty play." That was a dirty play. That he yeah. grabbed the ankle and did like the gator roll. That was. Rough. Yeah. Right. Uh, But let's talk about our impressions, Chad, of the Patriots, right? You've got, you've got Mac Jones. You've got a whole, you've got a whole cast of like, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah. Running back. As have been the the Patriots teams of the past. Yeah. Tom Brady. Sort of, but there's not that like one guy. Like there was always the one guy. There was always Julian Edelman or there was always Wes Welker or like Randy Moss or whatever. There's not, who's the one guy? Bolden, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar, uh, who the fuck out? Johnu Smith or Rondre, Rondre Stevenson gets some. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you what uh, the Browns were spectacular defensively against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. The Bengals are 2000 times the offensive team 
that the New England Patriots are. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Mac Jones is not the uh, the kind of prototype uh, uh, phenom kind of quarterback that Joe Burrow is. Um, okay. Although Joe Burrow much more ap- apt to turn the ball over than Mac Jones. But still, yeah. Mac Jones, not the guy you're worried about beating you. Uh, nope. They're running backs. Who the hell are again? You're going to get Bolden. You're going to get I don't know Damian uh, Harris. Damian the only Harris. reason I even it's the only reason I know Damian Harris is because uh, is because I mean he's on my fantasy team in one of my leagues. Right. That's it. Right. Uh, okay. And then you've got wide receivers that, like you said, Nelson Aguilar, like guys that are kind of offshoots from other teams. Yeah. This is not a good offense at all. No. No, it's not. In the slightest. So defensively, this Cleveland Browns team needs to dominate this New England offense, this defense for the Browns. They need to build on what they did against the Bengals and absolutely dominate the Patriots. They should do that in this game. Yeah. So then what you're worried about, your concern is, Chad, the concern should be this. Patriots have a great defense. Man, Judon has been spectacular for them this year. Mr. Red Baggy Sleeves himself. Uh, uh, That defense is still really, really good. So if you're the Browns, you have to walk this fine line. And this has been my concern with Baker Mayfield, and they finally got away from it last year or last week. I feel like Baker in his head turned into a guy that felt like he just has to take care of the ball. And we talked about it last week, Chad, right? We talked about Baker is playing like a guy that feels like he has to take care of the ball. And he's not playing like a guy who feels like he has to make big plays. And he, he should be a guy that makes big plays, right? Uh-huh. Against the Patriots, you got to be, especially if your running game is going to be hampered, you got to be, you got to at least be smart. Go out and make big plays because you're going to have to make big plays to win games. But you you also got to be smart because this is a really good Patriots defense. Yeah, I think so. And I think, uh, you know, we talked about, we talked about it, it. It looked like the pressure was off. It looked, it, it looked to me in that Bengals game that the pressure was off Baker. And I don't think, yes, the Patriots are a better defense, but I don't think the situation is going to be any different. I mean, because you look at Baker last year, again, those last eight weeks of the season, it, he was just, comfortable. He was just himself. He got back there and it, it, it looked like he didn't feel rushed. It looked like he wasn't in his head. And I just, I think that's, I think that's going to continue into this Patriots game just because uh, the drama isn't there. anymore. He can just let go and start slinging it like he was in the Bengals game. And I think, I think this is going to be a much more, I think this is going to be a great game, a, a great game for Baker against a very good defense. If, if I'm being honest, I think they're going to use the pass to open up the run. Uh, you, you know, if I were if I were the Browns, I, I think I would do that. And uh, yeah, I, I just I'm expecting a much more uh, comfortable looking uh, Baker, comfortable looking offense uh, in this Patriots game than in the first what the seven eight weeks of this season. Yeah, and. and- and I think that's important. I think it's important for Baker to come out. You know, now we're now we're taking steps, right? We're at the point now where 
You're five and four. Uh, if you're the Browns, you're, you're still, the season ends today. You're in the playoffs, right? Like this is you're you're, you're still a contending team. Now it's time to go out against a good defense. Uh, this is a, this is a game where the Patriots, like I'll be a little upset. The Patriots shouldn't score more than 10 points in this game. This is a bad Patriots offense. It's a good coaching staff. So your defense has to stay on it, but it's a bad Patriots offense. And so your offense has to be good enough to not be giving their, not be turning the ball over or giving their offense easy field position. But like if your Uh offense plays even relatively well and your defense plays the same level as it did last week against Cincinnati, I I I don't mean to say anything bad about the Patriots. You always you always want to be careful about a Bill Belichick team and 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 what they could do, but like there's nothing about this Patriots team, especially offensively, that scares me. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's 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 gonna be all about the offense in this game because like you said, like the the Patriots shouldn't score a lot of points against this no. defense. You know, it, it, if they do, it's if they do, it's going to be because this defense is having problems with communication or playing too soft again. There's going to be a real problem on this defense if the Patriots say, I don't know, get to 21 points and above or 28 points and above, somewhere in that range. It's going to be a real problem. So it's it's this game is going to be all about uh, how this offense can perform. And I, I don't know. I just get the feeling. I just get the feeling that again, like I said, because that drama is over, I just get the feelings this offense is going to just play loose and play relaxed and play comfortable. And I, I think they're going to score some points and break this streak in Foxborough. Yeah. And 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 I think listen, let's get off the Browns here because we got a couple other things to cover before we get out of here. But like drama aside, drama aside, I I think what you saw from the Browns this past week against the Bengals against a much, much improved Cincinnati Bengals team, a team that two weeks ago was the number one team in the AFC uh, before these last two losses. Uh, I think it's an indicator of things to come for the Browns. And I think all of a sudden we're looking at a little more positivity here and, and, and going six and four, uh, certainly brings a little bit more of that. So anyways, uh, it's been an interesting week for the Browns. Again, you had the Odell Beckham thing. You had uh, the extensions, which was great news. And and now you've got uh, who knows who's going to play against the Patriots. In any case, the Browns going into Foxborough, playing the Patriots on Sunday with a chance to go six and four against a team they should beat. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. Uh, so, that's going to do it for our Browns talk. Listen, Chad, just uh, a few more things going on in the world. A few more things going on in the world of sports. Uh, we haven't talked a ton the last couple of weeks because we've, we've been focused on the Browns. We've been focused on the Cavs. We haven't talked yeah. a lot about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's go, baby. Woo! Dude, <laughs> what a, what a, what a team to watch. What, a, what an absolute, what an absolute joy is it to watch the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. Seven and three, which matches their best start in franchise history uh, through 10 games. Like, are, uh, they are, you know, everybody was worried about this team at the beginning of the year. You know, they thought, they thought, you know, trading, you know, Cam 
They thought trading Felino. They saw all these fan favorites go out the door, and they were like, oh, what's going to happen now? But then you bring in like a Jake Voracek. Patrick Laine picks up his option. You, 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 you draft Cole Cylinder. Oh, my God, what, what a difference he's made. Well, go ahead. You're, you're, well, you're I was going to say, can, can we talk about something for a minute? Yeah. What a truly spectacular trade, the Cam and Jake Voracek trade was. For both teams. Like, yeah. how rare is it in sports that you see a trade go down that you go, the Philadelphia Flyers and their fans are thrilled with Cam Atkinson right now, and bl- the Blue Jackets and, and the fans of the Blue Jackets should be thrilled with Jake Voracek. He is doing exactly what they brought him here for. Cam Atkinson is a good dude. He's a good player. He was a great Blue Jacket. He was a great teammate and member of, of, of Columbus and all of that. There's nothing. There's absolutely zero bad things to say about Cam Atkinson. He didn't fit the type of team that they were building. So they sent him to Philly and he is thriving. <clears throat> and Jake Voracek is exactly what they needed. He's exactly what they needed. It's that yeah. trade is spectacular. Spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you watch that interview with Jake on Valley sports, it's, it's really uh, telling and really awesome to see because he is just beyond happy here. He was, he was just not happy with his role in Philly. He loved Philly. He was not happy with his role in Philly because he felt that he had a lot to give when it came to a leadership standpoint, when it uh, on and off the ice. Yes. And, and it, it just goes to show you, you know, right now, Voracek is at a point of game. You know, they're 10 games in, and, and, and he has 10 assists. And if, if he never scores, if he never scores a goal this season, he would be happy getting 80 assists, as long as that means he's still being the leader in this locker room, as long as he's still making plays for everybody on the ice. And it is, it is going to show you, man, it's this, the love has been spread around on this Blue Jackets team through the first 10 games, Mike. I mean, you got guys like... Oliver Bjorkstrand, five goals, eight assists. Wait, 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 three goals, seven assists. Wait, wait, wait. Oliver Bjorkstrand. I was gonna say that's the next. I'm just gonna pause you when it comes to guys. We gotta, we gotta highlight Oliver Bjorkstrand. Oliver through ten games, they're seven and three. They are, you know, the standings are misleading at this point because there's a few teams that have played like 14 games. So points wise, I want to say the Blue Jackets are like fourth in the division but they've played four oh. less games than some of the people, the teams above them right Right now. They are currently the best 10 game team in the NHL. Uh, right, right. And games Bjork- in hand is important folks. Games in hand is important. In Oliver Bjorkstrand through 10 games is top 10 in the NHL in points. You're yep. talking about a guy that since his, he played in Cleveland yeah. s- since his time in Cleveland, the potential for Oliver Bjork, Oliver Bjorkstrand has been there. It's been something that everybody's talked about. All of a sudden, here's this guy that right now is like this under-the-radar kind of player. Like, if you were to just pull up stats on ESPN, you'd be like, oh, shit, look at Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think people are starting to take notice of how good this kid is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, he's a, he's a bona fide goal scorer. He's got a sniper for a shot. Uh, yes. you know, it, it, 
he'll 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 go top shelf he'll go in between in, in you know in your five hole he'll go in between the in the between the pads it doesn't matter he, the dude has got a snipe of a shot bro and uh yeah i mean you 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 see the potential uh i i mean it's it's up and down this team right now the contributions that they're getting you know oh Cole my Sillinger, god it's everywhere four goals and two assists cole sillinger no jake b stop three goals stop cole sillinger god i hate you cole sillinger no (laughs) guest of the podcast cole sillinger have you listened to the cole sillinger episode because you should because the dude's sweet and we had a good time chad got to talk to him i wasn't even there i'm jealous as shit but chad had a great time with with cole sillinger dude's a dude is 18 fucking years old and he looks and he looks comfortable out there and it's not changing and you know what the best part about that is this is the time where he's gonna suck (laughs) when you're you're 18 and you're just getting your career started and you're like i don't know if i belong here or not and you take a couple big hits and you're like oh shit i really don't know if i belong here or not nah cole sillinger is taking hits he's 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 gotten in a scrap he has cole sillinger has been phenomenal phenomenal what a first round pick the the, yeah. the 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 best thing about what's going on with the blue jackets right now and i'll, I'll let you get to the other guys because jake bean we called out i'm gonna give credit to my, my cousin harry who co-hosted a podcast with us one day when you weren't here many months ago uh when we traded for jake bean harry is a uh a hurricanes fan and he was like oh shit i i pissed that you guys just traded for jake bean jake bean's been spectacular but yeah. like, what's really exciting is you pull in Cole Sillinger and he is great. And and yeah. and right now this Blue Jackets team looks like it can, it can compete with pretty much anybody. Yeah, they and but and like you know they've go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Your, your top pick is still playing for Michigan. I know, <laughs> I know. You're and he's playing really well. Like and he's killing it. He's, and he's fucking killing sick it. on that team, dude. I mean, like. <laughs> There's re- there's reinforcements that aren't even with that team yet. Yeah. Not to mention that there are probably one or two guys with the monsters that you're probably going to see come up and make an impact with the Blue Jackets at some point. The depth and like the reserves with this Blue Jackets team. It, it's what we talked about. It's what we talked about. We talked about it when they when they traded everybody away. Could this just kind of be a retooling? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it could. And it, it, it's yeah. showing that it can be. Yeah. And I'm not going to go through every, every guy, but you know, the last person I want to highlight and just because of just everything that went on, but as Elvis Mersley, can say, oh, uh, oh. this guy, this guy, oh. I mean, he's five and one on the year. He's under two goals uh, <laughs> against average. And, and, and he's got a, a 939 save percentage. Woo. This guy is just this guy's just killing it. I, I, I mean, he, he talked about Matisse uh, being with him, the, you know, this year and, and forever. And it just I don't know if you believe in divine intervention, you believe in whatever. I, I you know, you got to believe that part of Matisse is with him because he is just playing out of his mind to start the year. This this team has clearly bought in to what Lars is preaching and what a start for this team. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to watching more games this year, Mike. And you can, you know, you brought up a good, a good point on something. And, and we had the tragedy with Matisse and it, it was awful. 
And 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 I'll never forget, I don't think, watching watching Elvis's funeral speech and yeah. and what, what Matisse meant and not and then and then not just that, but talking about what Matisse did and saving his life and all that stuff, just gut wrenching. I, I don't you know, the divine intervention is fine. You know, and if, if you want to say like oh Matisse is with him and, and he's playing, you know, watching over him and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you, but you know what else is it's it's like brought a, a level of focus, yeah, to a young kid. Elvis Merzlikens is not an old man; he's a young kid that yeah. that to this point in his career has just always been one. He's always been one of the best hockey players on the ice every everywhere he's gone. He's always just been one of the best, and all of a sudden something happened in his life one of the most devastating things. So even if it's not divine intervention, like you say, Chad, it's a level of focus. It it's, it's something happened in his life that he said, I'm doing this in honor of my best friend. Yeah. And it brought a level of focus to his game and his career. Elvis Merzlikens is one of the best goalies in the NHL right now. Yeah. And the funny thing is, Jonas Corposalo has been great too. Like (laughs) guys are just up and down the lineup. Can we give credit? Can we give credit to Yarmo for, for what he did in this off season to build a team that's just so complimentary and, 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 and Lars to, to coach a team in a way that is so complimentary to put these lines together that are working uh, yeah. right now there's just, there's just so much to be excited about. I agree. Totally so, agree. So that's the blue jackets. Uh, we'll talk more about the blue jackets and listen, we're going to have more guests from the blue jackets on. I hate these, this early season, like these, these fucking, like they play on like a Sunday and then you don't see them again until Friday of, of, you know, oh, like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to yeah. watch a blue jackets game. Uh, especially how good they've been. Uh, but uh, they play Friday, but a seven and three start, uh, no overtime losses so far. So just a straight seven and three start to the season. Yeah. You couldn't have drawn it up any better. You could not. Which if you're listening, which if you're listening to this podcast now, they play tonight because this podcast is coming out <laughs> on, on Friday. Friday. I know. Yeah, that's right. So get excited. <laughs> Hockey time, baby. No, I think that's going to do it for us. Listen, I know it, it just, there's so much going on between the Browns and the Cavs and the Blue Jackets. And, uh, you know, there's so much stuff going on that uh, it's just fun every week. Every week, there's just a boatload to talk about. So, uh, listen, that's going to do it for us. We do have our three cheers of the week, only it's going to be two cheers this week because it was only two of us. Uh, So, Chad, I'm going to send it over to you. What's your cheer of the week this week? I mean, I'm going to call it back to that teacher in the Florida panhandle who showed their students monstered. Okay. Uh, I, I have to fucking much wild. respect, much respect, fucking cheers to you. Fucking I mean, I wish to, sh- I wish to, I wish the shit fight wouldn't have happened in your school after that, but you know, listen, cheers to you. For showing monstered. <laughs> cheers to you for showing monster. You know what that should be? Uh, do, you, do you remember the, the, uh, the funny or die skit with Will Ferrell? Um, Oh God! What what's the guy's name from the office? Uh, it was Daryl. No, 
Oh, Daryl. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, no, I know. What's, Craig, the, what's the actor's name? It's Daryl. Craig. Yes. Uh, it is Craig, Craig something. I don't know. It's probably like Craig Anderson or something. I think. I think it's Craig Anderson. Mm, I don't know. Look that up. Uh, I will. But did you ever see the Funny or Die skit with Will Ferrell and uh, and Craig, whatever that guy's name is? Uh, Craig, bat, whatever. The bat fight. No, I did not see that. Oh well, you need to look up. Actually, we're going to do that together because I want to watch that with you. But bat fight is hilarious. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up turd fight. <laughs> In this one, that should be their <laughs> that should be their next funny or die video. Craig Robinson, Robinson, Craig Robinson. Yes, that's him. That's him. Um, all right. Well, Mom's turd getting some more love here on the podcast. Listen, I'm going to give love to something that's that I'm really excited about, and Chad, you should be too. So, if you want, if you love us, if you love us, if you're having a good time with us on the Garage Beers podcast, Friday night. I don't even care I, whether you're in Cleveland, Columbus, Ohio, the U.S., or whether you're some of our friends that listen to us not in the U.S., and we've got a, several of those. I need you to get over to the WEOL radio mobile app or WEOL.com Friday night. Chad and I are calling one of the best games we have ever called. And if you're listening to this, Friday night is tonight. That's right. Uh, we have got one of the best games, a highlight game that we are calling on the radio for high school football in Ohio. Medina, the battling bees, the best team in the Cleveland area through the entire season so far this year with Drew Aller going to play at Penn State next year and probably a guy that's going to get some early playing time in his career. The number one quarterback in the nation, by the way. The number one quarterback in the nation. A kid that's thrown for like 4,000 yards and 44 touchdowns on the season so far. Yeah. Like an insane, yeah. incredible. Uh, to watch Drew Aller is crazy. To listen to him with me and Chad, it's going to be even more fun. Drew Aller and the Medina Bees going up against traditional powerhouse. I'm so excited for this. St. Ignatius, the Wildcats a team that just is consistently one of the best high school football programs in Ohio with literally the current best coach in the state of Ohio, Chuck Kyle, Medina and St. Ignatius Friday night on the WEOL mobile app or at WEOL.com stream to get over there and listen, Chad and I are going to be on the call. That's my cheer of the week because I can't tell you how excited I am for this game. What like, are you cheersing? Like our call? Like our I'm, call? I'm cheersing, cheersing our call? just the event. The event itself. <laughs> listen. Perfect. Listen, I look forward to this every week. Every week. Yeah, me, I look forward me to too. getting in my goddamn into the proverbial garage and just talking shit with you guys and our special guests like Jay Richardson tonight. But during football season, Friday nights, I cannot tell you how amped up I get to go call those games. And the fact that they trust you and me, a couple of morons weird, right? Broad, oh, to go broadcast literally one of the biggest games in Ohio high school uh, uh, football this year. They trust us to go just handle that. Uh, we're going to be down at Brunswick Automart stadium in Brunswick. It's Medina. It's St. Ignatius. Go listen. It's going to be 
fucking awesome. I can't say that on the broadcast, but here I can say it. It's going to be fucking awesome. You can't say fucking on the air. How excited are you, Chad? I'm so excited, dude. I've I've never called a St. Ignatius game before. You know, we've called plenty of Medina games. We've we've been Mike and you know you know you and I, Mike. We've been calling Drew Aller uh, his game since he was a sophomore. You know, and so we we saw flashes then, and we we didn't really. We said back then that he was only going to get better, but and look at him now. I mean, he's the number one quarterback in the nation, and he's going to Penn State. So how how could that not? How could you not be excited? You know, St. Ignatius has been St. Ignatius has been down for a few years, but they've been you know recently again, like the last five six weeks of this season, they've been playing some of the best ball they've played in years. So I'm really really excited, dude. I can't wait. I will bet you. I will bet anybody. An amount of money that Drew Aller turns out to be a first round draft pick in the NFL. All right. The kid right. is the kid's special. And uh and he's gonna go show it at Penn State. And we'll see about this weekend. The St. Ignatius Wildcats are a good football team. And this is a rematch of last year. In the playoffs last year, I called it the regional semifinal, just like this week. It was Medina and St. Ignatius, and Medina squeaked by St. Ignatius. Uh, so we'll see what happens because there's a lot of returning players on both sides. So anyways, my cheer of the week is just, we're getting to the end. There's a, a potential of what? One, two, three, four weeks left in the high school football season. Yeah. So we're getting to the end of high school football. It's been spectacular. Uh, and so go listen to us on the WEOL mobile app or WEOL.com. Chad, any final thoughts before we get out of here tonight? Chick stig scars, pain heals, and glory lasts forever. You're welcome. Take the fall, act hurt, get indignant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. That's what I was looking for. All right, that's going to do it for us here on episode 90. It was a great time. Guys, we are episode 90, 90 weeks of doing this shit. Woo! And you guys have listened to all of it. And people keep following us. It's been spectacular. Listen, lots of thank yous. First of all, our our big thank you goes out to Jay Richardson. We love having this dude on the podcast. He is a blast. He is a great guy uh, and, and knowledgeable about football, but just a good freaking dude in general. We love having Jay Richardson on. Jay Richardson on. Go follow him, uh, and I'm sure we will have him on the podcast again. We love calling him a friend. Uh, our next thank you goes out to the Belly Up Sports Radio or the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network. Uh, so go check out Belly Up Sports. Uh, it's a it's it's insane. We joined Belly Up literally less than a year ago, and there's like three times as many podcasts on the network now as there were when we signed up. So uh, just the insane amount of growth, insane amount of stuff going on with Belly Up. Go check them out. Uh, and as always, our biggest thank you goes out to you, our listeners, the people that are taking the time to listen to this every week. It is insane that we've been able to do this. It's insane that you are enjoying it. Uh, and we hope you continue to do so. If you love us, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast network. Make sure you get over to garagebeershop.com. I'm telling you, these hats and these shirts, they're ready right now i'm looking at them i'm looking at them they're ready for me to ship to you right now you need hey you need christmas presents 
garagebeershop.com. They're ready, they're ready for me to shit to you right now. That's what it sounded right. like you said. I said ship, you asshole. Oh, love uh, you. Garagebeershop.com. Go get a hat. Go get a shirt. Get get some Christmas presents. They're really sweet. Uh, check them out. Uh, and, and they were designed courtesy of our friends down there at 614 Hockey. So check them out as well. Uh, but again, thank you to you for supporting us. As always, uh, we love you guys. Uh, so for Joey, who wasn't even here, uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee, go follow him at Garage Beers. Joe, for Chad, over there on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers. Chad, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike, this has been episode 90. We'll see you next week for episode 91. Until then, cheers, everybody. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com cloud.